Welcome to another episode of the Mr. Barton Maths Podcast with me, Craig Barton. A show where I interview people who interest and inspire me from the world of education. Well, this time around I spoke to John Corbett. John has been a maths teacher for 11 years and is better known the whole world over as the man behind the ridiculously incredible Corbett Maths. The home of hundreds of free videos, practice questions, textbook exercises, revision materials and so much more. In a wide-ranging interview, we covered the following things, and a lot more besides. How does John introduce pi via the medium of a baguette? How does John prepare and deliver a lesson using the flipped learning approach? Now, this is a concept that I don't think gets discussed all that often these days, and it's absolutely fascinating hearing John talk about the planning process, the logistics, what happens before the lesson, the technology, what happens in the lesson, what John perceives as the numerous benefits to flip learning and what advice John has for teachers listening to this who might want to try out flips learning. John then tells us about his amazing five-a-days and how exactly he uses them with all his classes. We delve deep into why John started recording videos in the first place, how Corbett Maths has grown and he describes exactly how much work goes into preparing and recording a video and flipping it, it is quite a surprise I can tell you. Um, How has creating videos made John a better teacher? And why would he advise every teacher to try recording at least one video? John explains about his practice questions and textbook exercises and how he manages to write so many original questions. We talk about John's incredible GCSE revision cards. And I'll tell you what, after you've heard how much work John does and how good these cards are, you will be ordering them up, I have no doubt. And just before John talks about his big three, he describes what he wishes he had known when he first started teaching that he knows now. Now, this is yet another epic interview. I think this is the longest one, certainly that I've ever done, and possibly in the history of podcasts. And unless you're stuck in some serious traffic, you might just need to digest it in a couple of sittings. But I'm so happy that teachers around the country seem to be seeing these interviews as really useful CPD. That was always the intention. And I know I'm learning so much myself from my guests, and I really hope you are too. Links to absolutely everything we discuss, as usual, will be in the show notes. As ever, just a reminder to check out the most recent developments on diagnostic questions, including our lovely GCSE Maths collection pages for Edexcel, AQA and OCR, some beautiful questions there, and our brand new completely free student mobile app. And over at Mr. Barton Maths, where I have updated my topic page to make it even easier to find rich tasks, worksheets, complete lessons, interactive resources, and probing questions for every single maths topic you can imagine. And also, I've updated my very popular GCSE Maths Takeaway page for the brand new specification. So please let your students know about that. Anyway, shut up, Mr. Barton, I'm hearing you saying. So without further ado, let me introduce John Corbett. Apologies for the slightly dodgy sound quality of my voice throughout this interview. Mind you, hearing a little bit less of me is never a bad thing. I really hope you enjoyed the interview and as ever, I will see you on the other side. (music) 
Okay, John, so let's kick off as ever with your math speed dating questions. So question number one, what is your favourite number and why? Well, I've, it might sound like a bit of a cliche, but I'm, I'm going to go for pi, uh, 3.14159 and so on. Um, not only does it appear in some of my favourite formulae, such as the circumference and area of a circle, which there's a bit of a song on YouTube uh, with me singing it, um, to the sort of a lot of the geometry, the cylinders, the spheres, cones, the formulae regarding the, the volumes and surface area, to even sort of the periods of basic pendulums that Will Emery talked about in one of your previous podcasts, and even really it's identity. So there's lots of great formulae, but even I just find students love the concept of irrationality. And this is one of the first encounters that a lot of students have with irrational numbers. And uh, there's, sort of, there's a lot of fantastic activities that teachers can do with their classes to, to really give the, the students that wow factor. Um, whether it's you know introducing pi with probably the same activity that thousands of teachers up and down the country do with the the getting some objects measuring the the diameter bit of string getting the circumference getting a class spreadsheet and getting the class average or for their you know approximations for pi and finding out that it's very close to that number that you've got around your classroom and the students are then are sort of intrigued um, and then even stuff like the Buffon's needle activity where you get the class and you bring them outside and you recreate the experiment that Count Buffon did with his, his baguettes. Right, um, right. I, it taught me through this, taught me through this one, uh, John. So, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, um, so uh, Count Buffon, or Lord Buffon, um, he measured the length of some baguettes. I maybe tried to make them all the same length. And um, he went out to a courtyard and, you know, sort of marked out lines that are equal width apart, the same width as the baguette. Right. And he went out sort of throwing these baguettes over his shoulder and all his servants or the people around him were looking on with amazement, wondering what on earth is he doing? And um, you get the class to do this. You get them to go out with the baguettes and so you, sort of wrap You literally up. got baguettes here. You, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, actually, going authentic, the, authentic here. Well, actually, actually, the little mini baguettes, uh, sort of the, the large ones, I thought would snap too easily. Ah, so the little thinking, ones, yeah, and actually, with some cling film around them to try and get them to last a bit longer. Nice hygiene. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, so you want them to last as long as you can. You don't want a, a seagull coming down and nicking them. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, so, you know you, what you do is you get the students to throw them over their shoulders, get them to keep a tally chart with how many they've thrown and right. how many uh, baguettes either touch across the line. Ah, and, right. and if you uh, double the number of throws and you divide it by the number of hits or touches, um, you get an approximation for pi. And um, the students are just blown away by that. And, uh, I'm blown away by that as well. So... <laughs> Sorry, just just to check one more time. You so these lines, what are they? Kind of kind of parallel lines, each, parallel each lines, kind of a baguette's width width apart. Yeah, exactly. So you can just go out prior to the lesson, get some chalk, uh, measure them sort of out, and um, and yeah, you you throw the baguettes, and there's a lot of complex maths with circular motion and so on. Maybe your further mathematicians can look into that, but. Um, but even just as that sort of getting the students to realise it's much more than just circumference and well, obviously it isn't, but uh, you know, you know, it's, you know, there's a massive connection with the circumference and diameter. But there's you know, there's so many other things that you know the pie crops up in. And um, it. that is because I've always been a, a circle around a cup man myself. But this this is life changing for me already. This job, <laughs> get, get them. I think baguette orders are going through the roof following this podcast. That's that's amazing. That's and and can you just out of interest, whilst whilst we're on yeah. to a bit of pie, how many? digits can you do of it? Uh, um, I'm not a big sort of a reciter, so 3.141592 That's right, that's right. decent, no, that's decent, fantastic. Um, 
22 over 7, that'll do. Right, <laughs> nice. All right, question number two then, John. What yep. was your favourite topic in maths as a student? I think I always had a buzz from an early age for arithmetic. Um, you know, whenever my father would give me sums to do every night, I got that buzz for getting questions right. But I think at school, my real passion uh, was mechanics. Um, there was just something amazing, particularly whenever you had learned all those subjects, you know, trigonometry, calculus, and then you, you know, you were able to apply them to questions about objects moving down planes, calculating the acceleration of particles, and it was just amazing being able to take all those abstract concepts and apply. And, and also I think my, my teacher at the time I'm going to drop in his name Mr Cantley he just had a real sub, a passion for the subject for mechanics so it just really I, I just even to this day I just love whenever I get an A level class and we were teaching mechanics it's just it's just amazing were you, were you into physics as well then? No, actually, I'm at, I, my A levels were maths, over maths, biology, and chemistry. Physics. Um, I I loved the 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 forces and the, the the physical aspect of it. But once I got to electricity and circuits and imagine electrons moving around, it just sort of baffled me a bit. <laughs> and let me just ask you as well, John. You mentioned that you were doing sums every night with your dad. Was it was he into his maths then? Yeah, my dad. Um, yeah, he's um, yeah, he's a tax man. flipping. <laughs> <laughs> but um you know he's always had that um it just he's just always been confident with numbers and from an early age it was if we were walking down the street it'd be well the, look at that number play it round that number to the nearest hundred or thousand or i've got this amount of money and i'm gonna buy this how much change should i get and that you know he's always had he's got a he's got a passion for maths but has taken it in a different and um i think uh less um um exactly nice that's a very political way of saying it and did you do you have any brothers or sisters john uh, yeah i've got um, a younger sister and actually a big sister as well yeah and yeah. were they did, again just i'm fascinated by this kind of parental influence on, on, any, yeah. on any kind of career did, did did they have that same kind of passion for numbers growing up that came from your dad or did he kind of pick you as his experiment well, they're, they're both at the minute studying for their accountancy exams in January, and uh, so um, so I think numbers uh, just are sort of running the family. There we go. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's move on to question number three then. What job would you like to do if you weren't a maths teacher? Is it is it tax man? <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, um, it, it was whenever I was at university, I did consider it. But um, but no, um, I, I I love teaching, and um, if it wasn't a teacher, I think it would be something along the lines of. I'd love to be a pilot or, well, I'm not a big fan of flying, so maybe something like an air traffic control, just something with sort of lots of, you know, mechanics, forces, vectors. Um, did, you, did you watch that series, um, City in the Sky, with uh, Hannah Fry? No, 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 I've not seen that one, I don't think. No, no, it was it was on BBC One or two. I, I put it on, uh, I was actually yeah, I recorded it, but it was just fantastic sort of seeing an airport running, and it was just, I would just thought it would be an amazing career just to, you know, something like air traffic control or being a pilot, just, I think I've, just, I've always been fascinated by planes and, yeah. But, yeah. but did you say you don't like flying, though? No, no, I'm not a big flyer, so uh, makes Christmas a bit interesting when everyone went back and forth to Northern <laughs> Ireland. So, <laughs> but um, once we're up in the sky, it's fine, but take off is ah, a um, right. I'm sort of uh, there, sort of holding on to my wife's hand. <laughs> not good for a pilot, possibly, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. God, fantastic, John. Well, uh, we've touched a little bit there on your kind of early introduction into the wonderful world of numbers, but I wonder if you could just take us briefly through the steps that um, were involved in your kind of university and then through to becoming a maths teacher. 
Yeah, so um, I went to university in Belfast, uh, Queen's University, Belfast. Um, I studied mathematics and um, done my bachelor's in science there. And then I went over to the University of Bristol and done a PGCE uh, at the University of Bristol. And it was absolutely fantastic. Um, I haven't sort of, you know, being from Northern Ireland and going, you know, to university there, it was it was really out sort of getting away. So going to Bristol, it was a, it was a fantastic place, and I think that's part of the reason why I've, I've stayed in the southwest now for eleven years. Um, and I trained at University of Bristol, and I had um, the course mentors were fantastic, Jan and Lorinda, and it was just I, I absolutely loved it because you always think whenever you're going to teach training, you're thinking, is this for me? Yes. Uh, whenever. I sort of was there and I had my first placement in a school just outside Bristol and then number one. It was just, I, I just absolutely loved it. And um, and then I um, sort of got a job just outside of Bath in a town called Radstock in a school called Rivlington. And I've been there now for on and off for 11 years. Um, and did you have any, I, I always wonder this for teachers, cause I, know, I know I certainly had it myself. Did you have any moments early on in your career where you thought you'd made a mistake becoming a teacher or, or were you always pretty sure it was the right path for you? Um, I, I, I think, you know, the, actually, getting the buzz, from, a bit like, as I said, with the arithmetic, you get that buzz from getting questions right. I got that, I think like probably most teachers, that buzz whenever you teach something, the students enjoy it they get the questions right and you know they've enjoyed that lesson i think I've, I've always had that buzz for the you know obviously those buzzes probably were a bit less frequent in the early days <laughs> <laughs> you know um but i think um i think that the, maybe the the was it for me probably was the the, the late nights and the during the yes. teacher training during the the first year it's it's a, it's it's a tough tough sort of couple of years until you're in an established and you've you've got lesson plans and resources yes. and you know you get used to marking quickly and little tips like collecting the books in you know with the homework open on that page yes <laughs> little, little tiny things all those things add up and help but I think at the beginning maybe during the teacher training that part whenever you know you're up to three in the morning preparing the lessons and then you've got to get up three hours later it's it's you know it's, it's not always like that but I find that bit at the beginning quite tricky probably like again most teachers <laughs> yeah absolutely well fantastic well luckily for, for the rest of uh, us maths teachers out there you decided to stay in the profession john <laughs> so yeah. i wonder if now this is one of, one of my favorite bits of the show i wonder if you could pick a, a lesson or a topic yeah. maybe it's something you've got coming up maybe it's something you've taught recently and can you just take us through the the planning process in as much detail as you like the more the more detail the better <laughs> and i'll probably just be annoying and interrupt you from time to time just to just to dig a bit deeper on certain stuff if that's all right yeah yeah um um so recently um probably about three or four weeks ago now i taught um i had to, i had a lesson coming up on uh, constructions with my uh, year uh, 10 class um so it was i had two lessons to teach it and i had quite a lot of different things to pack into those lessons uh, just, to, just to be a pain early on here john what can yeah. you just give us the context of the, this year 10 class if that's all right yes yeah, so, kind of so it's we talking yeah, so it would be um, uh, this class was um, uh, sort of a higher um, higher foundation class. So it's the sort of a class target, and uh, probably I would be hoping that they would majority get grade five. So quite an able class. Um, but yeah, sort of a grade five foundation class is sort of what I'm hoping. But probably like again, with like most teachers, that sort of 
we're not sure exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is it going to be until they come out this summer? <laughs> so. Got it. That's fantastic. <laughs> but, Cheers. But yeah, um, so yeah, year 10 class, um, really, really sort of nice class. A um, couple of students in there who, um, you know, have got, you know, particular needs, particularly processing things that particularly with this lesson on constructions that I, I, I did have in sort of the front of my mind. Um, so, yeah, so. I had quite a lot of skills to teach, you know, perpendicular by sector, angle by sector, perpendicular to a point, from through a point, uh, 45 degree angles, 90 degree angles, even sort of the SSS triangles. Yes. So I had sort of the, the skills that I had to teach in mind as well as really the students as well. I'm thinking, um, you know, how am I going to, how am I going to actually physically show the students the, the topics? How am I going to demonstrate it? Is it going to be using one of the big orange um, pairs of compasses and the white of a pen or would it be using something like my maps and the bob the builder activity yes. or you would it be even using a visualizer the other things come from my mind and also then thinking even though i said it's a nice class that if i was just trying to go through two lessons where if i've okay followed this step and i follow this step and i follow this step it, it could be something that they would get bored and find it quite monotonous doing and is, is that something you've done in the past john is that how you've approached the topic <laughs> yeah. previously? how can you tell <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah in the past uh, sort of years ago i remember sort of um doing i think it was on my main qt year it was a series on constructions and i put up the bob the builder thing and hadn't even really thought too much about the explanation i just yes. sort of relied on the, the activity there and i just sort of went through it step by step and and it, the students they just sort of switched off. It became yes. quite, you know, the, the students who had finished it a lot quicker than others. Some needed that time to, you know, understand, okay, so why do the, the pair of compasses, why do they need to be set over halfway yes. on the line if we want to do the, the perpendicular bisector? Um, even to some who, the, you know, the students... Protra uh, compass and protractor compasses skills, the pressure compasses skills, the, the students sometimes struggle to, to know how to use them even. Yeah, of um, course. And <laughs> so, you, and you end up you, you end up i mean i've been there myself with that very same lesson you end up just kind of pitching it to the middle don't you and you get some kids who are kind of who've, who've finished it five minutes earlier some kids who need another five or ten minutes and already you're you're then wanting to move on to the next construction and the next construction and it's a flipping nightmare yeah i'm, I'm having yeah. visions of having taught this many a time myself john yeah. so I'm, I'm with you here and and i could just envision envision this with the class particularly with i had that those two students in mind who would just I feel it would be maybe a bit unfair because, as you say, you know, the students who are in the middle or the top end, they will fly through this activity and then they'll be just sitting waiting yes. for these students. And it's not really fair on them. Sure. So really what I started to do was thinking about, you know, what are my alternatives to sort of to teaching this? And I really decided on a flipped learning approach. Um, so it's a, sort of my structure would be I would get the students to watch the videos on corporate maths. Um, so on all the the object, all the sort of standard constructions, uh, they would complete their own constructions along with annotations in their notes, um, and then also they would. Um, then take a photograph of those constructions to sort of show me they've done them and upload them to a piece of software called Shobi. And the students, uh, then I could sort of see two days prior to the lesson that the students had done it. Um, and it's sort of, I think it's important that you get the students to, if you are going to do something like flip learning, get them to do some prior to the lesson. I had this sort of image where, what if all the students haven't, you know, you know, didn't follow it? So, or, you know, do the task that was set. So what I done was, you know, just made sure they uploaded the show B and then I could check with two days before the lesson that, you know, they had had done it. And let, let me just, uh, yeah, let me just get, get into this here, John. So yeah. how, um, how many days did you give the kids to, to do this first? Yeah. So I, I, I tend to, this, 
homework was quite a long one. I think there was maybe, I think I had sort of maybe six constructions, seven constructions I wanted them to do, along with annotate, along with taking photographs. So I think I, I set the homework a week before the lesson was due and I gave them five nights on it, or I set it two days before the lesson was due. So I gave them a bit of time making sure a weekend was in there as well, because a lot of students sometimes need that little bit of extra time to sit down and go through things and something like this. I think it's important to to give the students that weekend uh, to do it as well. Um, so set up five, um, yeah, seven days before. This is this is fascinating for me, this, John, because I, I, long-time listeners, and you'd have to be a flipping long-time listener to remember this one. When I used to do the Tez Maths podcast, I had um, Colin Hegarty in before he became yeah. this world-famous superstar who doesn't return my <laughs> calls anymore. When I had him, he was doing he was doing uh, flip learning for his um, Decision 1, uh, decision one uh, A-level class, and they were doing all this because this, uh, those uh, teachers who were listening who've taught Decision 1 or Discrete Maths or whatever it's, whatever it's called, it's, it's a similar process where... Uh, it's students going through algorithms um, and again it's you end up pitching it to the middle it's very hard to get the pace right very much like constructions whereas kids just need to learn it they just need to go through it at their own pace get themselves ready for it and so on but I've not heard flip learning mentioned probably three or four years now it's one of those kind of was one of those trendy things that just people don't seem to talk about but is this a regular part of your teaching would this would this class have done something like this before John? Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, definitely. I think I would sort of pretend, depending on the group, um, I would say between 25 to 50% of my lessons would be done for a flipped uh, style. Um, I think that the benefits, because obviously, you know, this is the setting of the work. They're doing this prior to coming into the lesson. So the students have, you know, for this lesson on constructions, they would have followed and done the six or seven constructions before the lesson's even begun. So the, the benefits really come in from one, they've got their you know, time at home, they can do the procedure on, you know, obviously some topics I wouldn't do yes. in a flip style, but, you know, this particularly, you know, with these constructions, they can do it at home in their own pace, perhaps with a parent nearby who can help. Um, they can take the time to rewind it, particularly if I talk a bit fast. <laughs> um, um, yeah, they can, um, they've then written notes on it and then they're coming into the lesson. Remember, I've got two lessons in the R scheme of work to, to cover these skills. I've then got two lessons where I'm going to be doing sort of really in-depth work on constructions you're looking at AO2, AO3, lots of different extension things and um, so the, the sort of the benefits I think of flip learning are humongous because if you think of the the traditional lesson where you have got your starter on the board the students come in they spend five ten minutes doing the starter you go through the starter perhaps you're 15 minutes into the lesson now you then spend, depending on the topic, perhaps 15 minutes, 20 minutes explaining something sometimes, you know, the, with all the examples. Um, you sort of perhaps you're halfway through the lesson. You then give the students some questions. Um, hopefully, sometimes the explanation has been good enough and they can, you know, go through and do the questions. But sometimes the students get started the questions and then you realize actually I need to stop them and yes. go through something again. And then you have you know it's getting towards the end of the lesson and have you got enough time to to mark their answers which i think is one of the most important things to notice you know know, get the students to know what they've done wrong address the misconceptions and things like that the plenary often will go out the window um, and then and then the students are set some homework and the homework is i think the bit where the students need help the most sometimes where they've gone off they hide your support in the lesson they're being thrown into the deep end and Suddenly, it can become a big sort of confrontation between the student and the teacher. Uh, sorry, the student and the the parent. Hopefully, not the teacher. <laughs> um, 
if um you know the student sort of legitimately just can't remember how to do something yes. and it's quite stressful was actually using the flip learning approach you're shifting things you're doing the the explanation for a lot of topics and not all of them as i said but a lot of the topics the students can follow the video on it they can go through the examples get those copied down and then you, you've got much more time in the lesson to then do uh you know, worksheets, questions, exam questions, and then you can go through answers in detail, then give even sort of more complicated ones, maybe linking different uh, areas, perhaps probability along with solving quadratics. You know, thinking of the Hannah Sweets question there. So, you know, you can sort of cross over topics um, or even just enrich the curriculum. Um, you know, we sort of, we've got an awful lot of things to teach the students and sometimes that can come at the, the price of, really getting the passion off you know why are we studying these things and um, so you know with this construction lesson um yeah you know, I, I sort of you know the students they did their notes their annotations they'd proven to me two days before the lesson they had done it can i, was can I just to... ask on that john can yeah, i just no. dig in before we get into the actual lesson itself of course, of course I'm, I'm gonna play i'm gonna be a bit annoying here and play devil's advocate because i know there are yeah, a lot yeah. of a lot of critics that are flip learning and i'm I'm desperate um, to kind of make this approach as effective as possible. So my first question is, the, um, the, the so the work you've set the kids to do, you said about mm -hmm. six constructions, something like that. So they're watching yeah. the, 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 the videos on Corbett Maths. Yeah. Um, and then are they doing questions from the worksheet or the textbook exercises on Corbett Maths? Or have you set them something something different? What's the actual it, work that you want them to do watching those videos? So prior to the lesson, they are watching the video just like they would sort of get their explanation of the modeling within the lesson situation. Yeah. Um, and again, I probably think that the explanation, you know, can, you know perhaps we later we might be talking about more in detail about videos, yes. but you know, the, the sort of the explanation I think would be a lot more thought out than perhaps my explanation in a class situation where I might waffle. <laughs> <laughs> might have got over that sort of in the, this interview. <laughs> um, but, um, but so they've watched it. They are then. I've, I asked them to uh, sort of to copy to do to do the construction along with it. So if it's a perpendicular bisector, they are also going to to draw a line. They're going to do the perpendicular bisector themselves, step by step. But then also annotate on their um, on their work what they've you know done. So you know and the, you know step by step. Then um, then the students have followed and got an example of each of the constructions done. They're then taking a photograph and uploaded that so I can check they've done it before the lesson. And just remind me again, what's that app called? Or the, the... Yeah, so, so the app's called Shobi. Uh, so that's S-H-O-W-B-I-E. And it's just, um, it's a it's a great app for getting students to submit work and, you know, for you to be able to to get work rather than email where yes. you'd have maybe loads of different email chains to, yes. you know, yeah. And so it's just, it's an app we use in school, which is, is a very good way to get students to, to submit work and yeah. So the work, then, the work comes in, and then are you? Uh, well, my, I guess my first kind of awkward question yeah. is, um, what are you doing for the kids who who don't have the facility to do that at home, who don't, who can't for whatever reason get on the internet yeah. or can't uh, yeah. download the app or whatever? Yeah, I mean we're quite lucky in our school. Every student has an iPad, um, and and I think a lot of schools have you know gone down that route of iPads or you know netbooks or whatever. And now I, I'm and I I personally think okay that's great, but it, it's not sort of the key because if I taught in another school, I would still use the same. Well, 
I would use the approach when it's appropriate, you know, even though I'm a, a big fan of flip learning, it's obviously when, you know, the topic is appropriate to it. Um, but yeah, um, for the students, um, again, I've set it a week in advance. So in that time, like I would with any of my classes, I've got a bit of a drop in situation in my classroom where, you know, if any student with any homework, whether it's flip learning or traditional style homework need any help, they can pop in any break time, lunch time and get the help on that. Also, we've got computer rooms throughout the school. Um, so after school, before school, during break lunch the students can pop in and to do those as well but generally I mean the students need to, to access the videos they need um, a laptop or a PC or even a mobile phone which I think nearly now the vast majority of students will have mobile phones as from what I've seen <laughs> um, I think every student has a mobile phone but but if they don't they're, they're, there's so many options you can give the students from where it's popping in to you know, and as I say, on our place, all the kids have their iPads, but a lot of them do it on their phones and stuff at home. Got um, it. Okay, yeah. so let, let's assume that all the students have, have done it then. I guess my yeah. next scenario here is, so you're you're then logging into this show, B, and having a look at the yeah. work. What are yeah. you doing if, if I, it's clear, let's say, five of them just do not have a clue, and whether it's maybe a specific construction or just generally they've really, yeah. for whatever reason, not grasped it? What, what happens then? Yeah, but just, I mean, this is the great bit. Remember, the lesson hasn't begun yet. So I've got two days before the lessons to take place. So this is informing my planning. So I then thinking, you know, what am I going to do within the lesson? It can be something that's something uh, can be something that's really easily addressed. So for instance, if someone's done a perpendicular bisector and one arc is obviously using a, a larger radius than the other arc, um, I can annotate on Shubi. You know, I can type in and sort of send something back to the students so they can get that feedback. Uh, before the lesson's begun um, or even if I feel it's something a bit more in depth I can actually uh, actually uh, uh, sort of tailor my lesson to that so I can actually perhaps demonstrate it if a large proportion of the class need to gone through rather than all seven constructions I can do just that one or if it's a group of five or six while well, the rest of the class and I'll talk more about well hopefully we get on to the lesson in here soon <laughs> but what I'm going to do is like, um, you know those sort of five or six you can actually just pull them together as a group as they come into the class because when the lesson's happening you've got so much time to go around and help and support the students and yeah and I, I, I can't really think of any other way of teaching a lesson where actually before the lesson begins you know five or six students can't do a particular aspect of the lesson Got it. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. Well, I, I think what, what, what we'll do then, John, we'll move through the lesson. And then yeah. once we get to the end of it, I might just ask you some kind of general reflection questions about yeah, yeah. the flip learning process and so on. So yeah. Let, yeah. let's see where we're up to here. So we're, we're two days prior to the lesson. The kids have yeah. submitted their answers on show, but you've had a look. Perhaps you've identified a couple of problems and so on. Um, and now it comes to the lesson itself. So the bell's yeah. gone. The kids are coming through the door. What's happening there? So first things first, a bit of a shameless plug, the five days on the board. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Right. Well, this is ideal job because let's take a, a mini little break from this, this flip learning because it's very rare yeah. that I get to interview someone who's created something that most of the teachers in the country either are using or certainly should be using. Um, do you mind just talk a little bit about five a day? Is, is this all right? Because I, I know we use it extensively in our school, but I'm very interested in how the kind of creator himself yeah. uses it. So where, well, firstly, for, for those who haven't heard of it just just tell us a little about a bit about five a day where did the idea come from and what is five a day 
As, so the five days are um, five GCSE style questions for every single day of the year, going from January the 1st to December the 31st. Um, there's five levels of difficulty. Uh, it goes numeracy, foundation, foundation plus, higher and higher plus. And for each of them, um, they would focus on a different level of difficulty. So the numeracy focuses on, you know, the grades one, two, three, that sort of G, F, E, the grade, the foundation focuses on grade four, that sort of, you know, or grade three, four, that sort of grade D, E, or D, C. The foundation plus really focuses on the grade five, that grade, um, sort of grade um, C stuff. Uh, the, the higher focuses on the grade sort of B and A material, that's six, seven. And the higher plus really focuses on that um, eight and nine, that's A star stuff really for the most able. In terms of how they came about in our school, whenever we moved schools about, I think it's 2011, we, we changed buildings and in the school we used to do a lot of hot rooming going from room to room and we would sort of whenever we, you would get into a classroom um i don't know yourself you change rooms craig yes, you know, honestly i'm fitter than i've ever been this year absolutely <laughs> knackered yeah i don't know what's going on with me then <laughs> but, uh, but yeah like a lot of the like a lot of teachers know whenever you, you're moving from room to room you've got to you know get signed on you've sure. got to you know you get the students in and settled. There's yes. probably a different seating plan that they might ask questions about and so on. But I, I, I sort of, whenever I used to move rooms a lot, I used to find that I wanted to put five questions on the board really yes. quickly so that the students had, but have something just to get on with, maybe recapping the previous material that sure. we'd studied um, in the previous lesson a month ago, a year ago, and just really something that keeps them sort of those materials fresh in their mind. And so it really sort of, sort of came about from a sort of a logistical problem that I had, you know, because, <laughs> we had smart boards and we had to wait for things to load up and so what i done was i created the five a days on paper for each day of the year um, and then as i started using them you know regularly with the classes then i really realized the the benefits that the students got from practicing the material um that they had learned previously and how strong they would become on that because uh, you know that they became on those topics because you know, as you know for problem solving those AO2, AO3 questions, you, you you will struggle to get started on those if you don't know the mathematics that you, you know, that you'll need to, to access them. Um so yeah, so that's how they can bite really I sort of from hot rooming and and then just sort of creating them on paper and then putting them on the website and sort of it was amazing that actually other people found them really useful oh, as well well the, the indispensables the, probably the, the word i'd use john and the, what the, the questions themselves how do well firstly how, how and we're going to get on to kind of question creation yeah. when we talk about your worksheets but i'm i'm interested yeah. with the five a days how you choose which topics do you have like a system yeah. where you think right i've asked the fractions question the first of february i'm not going to ask another one for two weeks or three weeks or do you have like a systematic approach for which topics you include to make sure you kind of box off everything if that makes sense yeah i mean and to sort of decide on the questions first of all, on each of the sort of the strands i would sort of use you know just sort of my you know the knowledge of past papers you get to know as a teacher sort of you know what questions would be at the beginning what questions yes. in the middle what at the end even with the sort of the new gcse you can get the sense of that from there's a lot of uh, specimen mock papers that have come out and even the specifications you can sort of read through if you look at the AQA, the Edexcel specifications, they've identified which topics are just or you know on the foundation yes. which topics are foundation and, and higher and which ones are you know, higher only sure. that that helped an awful lot in terms of deciding you know how to sort of spread out the questions i wish it was as, as scientific as <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to fit this one you know three weeks and i think it's um 
I, you know, obviously you wouldn't want to Venn diagram questions two days running because there's an awful lot of other topics that we'd yes. want to go in. So whenever I'm creating them, it's sort of I create the file with 366 different pages and then start putting them in and right. moving them around. And it actually becomes quite a an ongoing process where, you know, even now I've sort of created the, the foundation ones. I've realized there's a question in there that you know, I wanted to tweak or make it a little bit more difficult and sort of they they sort of change over time as well. So, but yeah, it sort of, it, it was just, um, yeah, it's sort of, it's not scientific as that. It's just not as though we're not spoiling anyone's impressions, <laughs> <laughs> but it is just that, um, you know, as, as you don't know what questions are going to come up on the past papers, you know, or the, the exam paper, it's just really uh, spreading them out. Um, so the students have got a, um, a sort of a, a you know, a, spread of them really you know that they've got a they're varied enough yeah got it and can you um again just as i mentioned before this is a bit of a unique opportunity to find out how the creator actually uses them so if we mm. kind of subtly kind of teleport back to this year 10 construction lessons yeah. where, they, where yeah. the kids are coming in now you said that you, all your students have got ipads are you still giving yeah. out the five a days on paper or is it all electronic in, in your classroom now um, if my head of department, a head of department is listening, I have, <laughs> of course it's done on the iPad. And of course the students are uh, demonstrating to the book <laughs> off the record between me and you, Craig. <laughs> I, I still, I've got into the habit of printing them. I like sure. the students to do it. We, you know, they, they quickly do it. They get sort of stuck into the books. So each table um, has got the sort of the glue sticks in a little pot on the table so they can nice. do it quickly, stick it in. Um, and, you know, for that class, I, I, you know, I chose to actually use two different five a days um, with, because as I said, they're quite an able foundation class. They are year 10 still. Yes. So what I've done is I've chosen the numeracy just as a quick warm up. Uh, you know, obviously they need to know all the you know, square numbers, cube numbers, those sort of basic things. Yes. Um, but also then I would use the foundation, which would sort of be pushing up to sort of the old sort of grade D, that sort of three, four region. Because um, they're, you know, I, I haven't covered enough of the, the hard, hard material, that sort of, you know, that sort of you know foundation plus material for them to do that one yet. So that class actually, I suppose I give them a tenner. <laughs> nice. So lucky, lucky people. So they yeah. get given that. I'll say this is a really sad question, but I'm, I'm just intrigued yeah. by this. And hopefully all the listeners are as well. Um, when you say you stick them in, are you printing them out kind of full a4 and are they sticking them in and folding them in the book or are you going for an a5 approach what, what are you going for yeah no I, I i definitely definitely shrink them um just because um one i don't like sticking a4 into books um we do have a4 books though like we used to have the smaller ones yep. which um i like but, but the a4 ones um you know I, even the a4 going to stick, stick into that and also just the cost i mean yes. we have to pay x amounts per photocopy in school um i uh, with those i had printed two originals off and then just there's a i didn't realize on our photocopy there's a, a multi-shot function oh, nice. which you can which you can just sort of put it in the documents and you can choose either two or four and it just sort of printed out an a4 in that size so the students were sort of um i think for that one i had uh for each student given them and a, a used the guillotine, cut them in half. So the students had the two sheets. They'd done them on the sheet, the A5, and then stuck them in one on each page, yeah. Got it. Fantastic. So, right, let, let, we're back in this lesson. So the kids have taken yeah, yeah. the numeracy one, they've taken the foundation one. How long yeah. are you giving them to do the five-a-days, John? Are you allowing talking to happen? And then what I'm also interested in is how, how are we going through the answers here? Yeah, I mean, so in terms of the um, the the um, the time on it, that, that would sort of be sort of five minutes yeah. you know sort of five minutes maybe even 
10, depending on the questions, if there's a bit of a trickier one in there. Um, sort of the traditional length of a starter. So, you know, the you know, traditional length is such a thing. But, um, but you know, around about five, 10 minutes, you know, that sort of gives me time to get the register done, to to maybe go around and speak to anyone about, you know, any issues that, you know, they might have had with the homework, maybe little minor things. We're going yes. back to the flip learning. Um, in terms of um, the how do I go through the answers? Um, quite often, well, with, actually that's a good point, with the old five a day, all the answers were on the website. So I would actually get the students to do them. And I would say to the students, whenever you finish one sheet, check your answers, because I think that's a vital part of doing MAVs is checking oh, your answers. And, is, and I don't want the students just to, to check their answers and do a ticker across. I want the students to actually go, yes, yeah, so I've got this wrong. Why have I got it wrong if, it, if it's not yes. obvious to them? And, and I think that sort of becomes a massive part of the lesson and actually developing that culture in the students where actually it's great to check our answers to spot what we've done wrong to then, you know, to make that improvement upon it and to become them sort of, you know, get them to become self-sufficient really. You know, the, the five a day, isn't really just a, an activity that I want them to do. Actually, it's a, I want them to do the five a day, but by getting them to then check their answers, make sure they're getting it right, it hopefully gets them skilled for whenever they're going to be going on to do past papers in the part of their yes. revision later on down the line. Got it. And and are we um, we're checking on iPad, are we here? But there's no, yeah. there'd be no reason why you couldn't just print out four or five paper copies yeah. of it, one on each yeah. kind of row or something like that, and the kids could yeah. use it for that. Yeah, exactly. And and oh, just going back to the the new ones that have created. Um, oh, obviously yes. the answers are. It's a bit of a work in progress. First of all, just thank. There's there's dozens of teachers at the minute sort of sending me answers from Twitter, and I just want to really thank them for all that work. It's really helping a lot because I think there's 366 times five uh, different uh, sheets. So uh, it, if anyone's wanting to know where the answers are, because I do get a lot of emails on it, uh, they're they're coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I'm not going to specify, do No, 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 keep it vague. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, I'll tell you what I'm interested as well, John, with these five a days. Because um, yeah. I've been in this scenario myself um, that, you know, I've, I've, oh, obviously when I give out a five a day to my year 11s or my year 10s, I have a look through the questions and I think, yeah, they should be all right with this. But you can, you can never tell. And often kids will mm -hmm. surprise you with something that they've forgotten or whatever. So what happens if you do encounter a problem? Say question three, for whatever reason, is causing students a problem. And yet you've got this lesson in mind with your constructions yeah. that you want yeah. to get onto. Yeah. What, yeah. what are you doing there with a, with a five a day when a question causes trouble? Yeah, I think I think it's sort of it's. Um, I've got a few, there's a few options. It really depends on the the type of issue it is. If it's something that I think I could go through in three, four, five minutes, because obviously I've already done them. Yes. Like all the teaching of this lesson has been taken place already. I've got quite a lot of time, and that's the real benefit of flip learning that you've got a lot of time to to be flexible. Um, you know, if it's something which has cropped up, because obviously, you know, with this class, I, I think they should be all able to do the numeracy and the, the foundation ones. But imagine if a question has come up, which I actually haven't spotted, which is maybe later on the scheme yes. of work. I mean, it's even that can actually be a good sort of um, point to actually say, do you know what, guys, our next topic after constructions was meant to be such and such. But actually, would you like to go on and do that topic next? And and the students do like that sort of sense of ownership, actually, sometimes if it's obviously if it's appropriate. Um, um, but it's sort of, you know, topics can be shifted around. You can say, OK, do you know what, next lesson we're going to do topic Y, even though it's meant to be topic X, yes. just because let's see how to. And the students will they'll have that sort of that desire to want to see how that topic's done. So if that topic uh, ever comes up again, um, they, they can do the five a day. But I think it's really 
dealing with it as and when. If it's something they've forgotten, though, I think previously you asked me, you know, do the students need to do these in silence or can they talk yes, or whatever? Yes. I mean, the whole point is, you know, if they they are stuck, I don't mind them turning around to friends and saying, oh, how'd you do that one? And just getting that little nudge on from, you know, someone beside them because, you know, um, you know sometimes I turn around and ask my colleagues for help <laughs> sure. topic and, and, it, and it's, it's fine to get it because, you know, it doesn't need to be total you know concretes you know it doesn't the students need to be don't need to be totally confident on every single topic until actually the day after the exam and this is all just formative learning you know god yeah. fantastic now my, my other question about these five a days i'm a bit obsessed with these john so please please forgive, <laughs> forgive me on this one but i've been wondering why all the views have been coming from you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what i was going to ask is um because i know in our school we um we use them with year 11s from the start of the year yeah. and then whenever it gets closer to the exam we start upping it to maybe 10 a day 15 yeah. a day get get as many a day yeah. as we can yeah. fit yeah. in yeah. but we wouldn't possibly tend to use it um from the start of the year with other year groups but i'm wondering yeah. how you as the creator use it do you use it yeah. from september straight away with all year groups you've mentioned with your year 10s it could be potentially 10 a day how do you decide when and who to use them with i think it really depends on the as you say with the class and the year group if it was like year 11s higher um i would be looking to use the higher as soon as possible and pushing on to the higher pluses once i feel like i've got enough of that grade eight nine or you know that those sort of really really tough you know questions or you know topics done um you know with um as i said with this foundation class uh, i've chosen to do the numeracy and the foundation i've sort of gone for the ones below because obviously they're year 10 the ones that sort of below where ideally i would want them to be in year 11 so obviously in year 11s i want to keep the foundation and the foundation plus ones for them um i've got a year seven class at the minute and it's a it's a very you know strong year seven class and for them i use the numeracy and the foundation for them because you know they're going to be going on to do higher and higher pluses in the future and um i sort of i so i do use them for you know for the other year groups as well um at the minute as part of a bit of work i'm doing with a charity a bit of work a part of a big bit of work i'm doing with the charity shine i'm actually creating primary five a day so that will be hopefully maybe another bank i mean they're not going to be called well they're, they're on the website they'll be under the primary section but they'll be labeled i think i'm going to go for bronze silver gold but that nice. they could you know be used for year sevens and eights even you know different abilities it's more of a, a bank for teachers to use and again i'm happy for teachers to copy you know the questions from one of them and paste them into their own you know you know if they they you know you can sort of copy and paste some questions yes. from one to another and you can sort of make your own structure of the five a days but um but um i think it's just great uh, particularly that routine um i've i recently um sort of done a bit of work with bruno Reddy and sort of you know he, he sort of does a lot of work on sort of mastery and routines and he was telling me about the phenomenal work that you know takes place at king solomon academy and in particularly their routines yes. and you know for us the, the five a day is just it's sort of a big part of our routine and i think actually i think a lot of schools it tends to be a big part of the routine it's just you know getting the students in doing questions that you know off topics which they need to recap because you know if you don't sort of use it you sort of generally you know will forget how to you know to to do it i and think i think you're right john and just just to pick up on that firstly i interviewed bruno must have been mm -hmm. I, I don't know how many episodes ago now but he's i mean you think me and you are going on here like he spoke for about 45 minutes just on the start of his lesson the getting the yeah. routine in place and i think the five days for that are absolutely perfect having something that the kids expect are going to be there that they can crack straight on with also i think it's important that they can have 
success with them because you're pitching them at the right level and there's five yeah. questions everyone's going to be able to at least make a start. And if they can't do question one, they can have a go at question two and three. So you, you're not yep. giving the kids any opportunity to mess around. So I think that's perfect. And also the other thing you picked up on, my latest obsession, and I'm, I've, I, I'm hoping to, to interview someone really big on the field of this, the whole thing about memory and the forgetting curve and, and keep practicing and, and going over things again and again and again, they're absolutely perfect for that mm -hmm. as well. Because it means your lesson is not just about the one topic you're studying. Immediately, and, you're bringing five other topics in there. So I think yeah. for those, and, the perfect. And yeah, and that, that sort of the, the, whenever you think of a student going to their nine different subjects over the course of the day, you know, the, the you know, in maths, it can be sometimes seen as you know, today we do fractions, you know, tomorrow we do percentages, and it and then it sort of avoids that, and it's sees you know, maths is a broader you know study off lots of different fields and you are constantly using each one so yeah, yeah. absolutely perfect well this will be the first of many thank yous but thank you for creating the five <laughs> of days john absolutely superb <laughs> um right so let's go back to the year 10 lesson so the kids are yeah. in the door they've done the yeah. five a day um, so yeah. what we may be kind of five at most maybe 10 minutes into the lesson by the time they've gone through the answers and so on um, yeah, I, I don't think i asked you before how, how many minutes are each of your lessons john Ours are, ours are 60, uh, so ours are an hour long. Got it, uh, fantastic. So, so, what's, so yeah. what's happening now then? So yeah, so while, they've, they've, while they're working on the five days, I'm obviously circulating. I've already completed the register. I'm circulating, making sure they're okay with the five days. Also, I'm remembering the, the three, four, five students yes. that have made any mistakes in their homework or, you know, if they haven't, you know, like sort of the annotations are quite detailed enough and just sort of going around and just sort of subtly mentioning to them, you know, not making a big deal of it, you know, but just subtly mention to each one of those what their issues were. Um, for instance, in a lesson, I'm going to jump to another lesson, but recently I was doing um, a half A, B, sign C for an area of a triangle. One of the students, he had completed it. I got them in that lesson to do the notes and to do one question on Google Drive or, you know, Google yes. Forms. And this, the students had done it. And for the area of, for the area of this triangle, he had a negative area. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so whenever I went over to him, I sort of, um, I, I knew uh, actually after playing around with his, or playing around with my, you know, the, the question for better, I realized yes. he had done the question radiance oh, rather than degrees. Also, I taught his older brother A levels, and I sort of knew they must have used his calculator. <laughs> but, but I was able to just go over to him and just sort of say, "Have a look at your friend's calculator. Do you notice that little D on the top?" And he goes, "Yep. Yeah. Okay, yours needs to always have that. At, yes. You know, GCSE level, you're always going to want that D. This is how you change it." And because the students are working for their five a days and you know self-checking the answers and so on, I've got that time sort of to go around and address the little, you know, the little mistakes, the little quick tweaks that just need to be made. And again, um, just to pick up on the point you made before, John you're doing this before the kind of uh, the main bulk of the lessons happening whereas that yep. in, in a kind of traditional lesson that's something that you might only discover at the very end of the lesson or not until the kids done yep. some homework and in the child's yep. mind that they're, they're kind of a bit screwed on this topic they don't know what's going wrong but yep. you can be pick up on that straight away and get that yep. that misconception resolved Thanks. And, and also, they've probably gone on and done another three or four subjects yes, or three yes. or four lessons, and this is just, you know, you know they're, they're having to look back retrospectively, and, you know, yeah. So, um, yeah, so so we've done that. Then, obviously, we're now going into the, the main part of the, you know, the, the main part of the lesson, which isn't the teaching, but because that's happened. So it's, um, I, um, obviously, I know they've all done their homework, but I'll sort of give them the point, you know, the chance, has anyone any particular questions they want to ask yes. about the homework, or if there were any big issues, and I would want to, 
do a whole class demonstration of and I got a little bit of time which I'd want to do that in but generally that isn't the case um, and then so now I'm going into the main part of the lesson which is actually them doing the work so in this lesson I had given them um, I think it was about four or five GCSE questions so within I think it were probably about 10 minutes into yeah. the lesson um, I'm giving them five or six GCSE questions on that topic or well uh, the, the the practice qu questions from Corbett Mavs um, so they're doing those um, five or six GCSE style questions they're going to work on they worked on those for about 10-15 minutes and then we've checked the answers and gone through them and we're probably about half an hour into the lesson now. Flipping heck. And the, when you say we're half an hour in that, essentially the topic's taught, they've done the exam questions. Yeah. I, yeah. I assume, again, if there was problems, you've gone through it on the board or whatever. Yeah. So what, yeah. what's, what's happening now? Cup of tea and so, finish the lesson early? <laughs> no, I mean, to be honest, I mean, one of the things that people, you know, whenever you, know, you mention flip learning to, to other colleagues, they will naturally ask the questions, you know, how do you make sure the students do the work, sure. you know, and so on. I like to make sure that the students have got an incentive. So constructions, I think, are fantastic. Whenever you look back at Euclid's elements, you know, it's a, it's a great read. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, you know, you've got so many different fantastic things you can do with constructions. So in this lesson, what I've now got is at half an hour in, okay, guys, we've done all the, the set constructions on the, the, the curriculum and the specification that you need to cover. They're all fantastic, but let's have a look at some other ones. So in one corner of the room, they've got a choice at this po uh, point. In one corner, we had Euclid's corner, and in Euclid's corner, there were some amazing constructions uh, taken from the, it's the Math Open Ref website um and the math open ref ref website um is um a site which has if you search it and put in constructions um and perhaps maybe if you include a link in uh, in here um, oh, well, but yeah. you've got you've got um loads of different constructions whether it's obviously the hexagon within a circle which is fantastic but the the pentagon the pentagon inscribed in a circle it's it's quite complex and on this website you can print out um step-by-step -step guides for some really fascinating uh, constructions whether it's using your pair of compasses to cut a line into n equal segments or n, n equal sections and um you know you can just um, there's so many different fantastic constructions there that are beyond the curriculum, but the students have great fun trying to trying to do these things. They end up with some fascinating things on their page, and and the students just absolutely loved it. In the other corner of the room, it was um, you know the number file videos. Yes, big fan. Yeah, big fan. Um, I had, yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. And I had um, watched one recently on um, the flag of Nepal. And um, the flag of Nepal—it's it's the most mathematical flag in the world, apparently. <laughs> right. um, and, and not that I'm an expert, well, actually, I do love flags in the world. That's it's one of. I can you, this, can you, for the yeah. uh, geographically naive among us like me, yeah. you know, can you just describe the flag of Nepal? What, what's so it it's um, so it's. Is this? I think it's the only non-rectangular or square flag in the world. Um, it's um, a, 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 it's a triangle on top of another triangle. <laughs> I'm describing this really badly. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's it's, um, it's in its constitution. It's actually got a step-by-step -step guide and how to construct it mathematically. Nice. Uh, and so, so they take their flags pretty seriously. <laughs> it's in the constitution how to make it. Um, but um, but yeah, it's, it's a fascinating flag. And actually, I've got a copy. I've got a. I've actually, I've bought one of them, and I've got one in my classroom. <laughs> so I actually, pull it out the cupboard and show them it. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, so so in that corner, the students have got, they've got a a link to a video uh, that they can watch on from Number File talking about the flag of the, you know the, um, about the Nepalese Nep Nepalese Nepali. 
the Nepalese, I think Italians were good, uh, the Nepalese flag, and it sort of talks about how to make it and so on. And I've then printed out for them as well the step-by-step guide uh, from the Constitution on how to construct nice. it. Now, that's a challenge. The, the Pentagon within a circle is a challenge. Yes. The, the, the Nepalese flag, it's something else. And actually, I, I, I would say probably half, the, maybe 60% of the class started that. And they, they, they give it a good shot. There, were, there was lots of perpendicular bisectors, lots of angle bisectors yeah. and stuff. So lots of great construction work and sure. uh, application of the stuff that is really the stuff that I wanted them to use anyway and to learn in the lesson. Um, um, three uh, girls, actually, they, they got so far within half an hour. You know, you probably need to set aside a good hour to maybe construct it. <laughs> um, three girls actually came back over two lunchtimes to finish it off and to have in my classroom a, a perfect construction of it as well on oh, a flip chart paper. So, so yeah, it's... Um, so, but the students absolutely loved it, and the fact that you know we've covered all the set constructions, which some people might look at and say it's a little bit of. You know, some teachers might look at it thinking it's quite a dry area of mm, mathematics. Definitely. Yes. Um, to you know, I, you know, going back to the reason why I done the lesson in this style. Um, not only did I want to make sure the students enjoyed it, not only did I have a lot of objectives to cover in two lessons, yes. but also I had two students who I was quite worried about in terms of their you know, processing and whether they would be able to keep up with my step-by-step at the front. And the student, those two absolutely loved it. One of the parents of the the students has actually uh, contacted me to sort of say that it's actually one of his favorite topics in the instructions. And and he had sort of constructed the sort of the the pentagon within the circle. And it's just absolutely, he, he loves it. And it's just sort of, yeah, you know, that not only had we covered all the objectives, we have done exam questions, we've marked them, we've then got into some enrichment, some you know, Mavs is much more than just some list of topics on a yes. specification. And, um, you know, this is, is, is amazing. And the students, they sort of, they've thoroughly enjoyed it as well. And and whenever you, you know, if you are doing flip learning, to be able to throw things like this into the lessons, it, well, obviously you've got the time to do it because you're not having to, to do the large sections of explanations and examples. Yes. But also it just creates that passion in the students for, for mathematics and yeah well absolutely well i'll tell you what t- two more questions on on the lesson itself John. Oh, sure. i just want to reflect a little bit on this flip learning approach the first yep. is what um what's happening at the end of that lesson john so they're, they're working they're doing the nepalese flag they're having a great time yep. is there yep. a is there a plenary at the end yeah yeah of course yeah so uh we sort of draw things in you know with about sort of five i think it was right. around about five ten minutes to go we sort of draw well it's not five minutes to go it must have been more like ten minutes to go um knowing how much i talk <laughs> um, but you yeah, know we drew things in with about sort of maybe 10 minutes to go and we were sort of we talked about the main constructions made sure the students you know knew exactly where they were in the notes i've made also the students you know obviously you know the students will go through many classwork books over the course of the year so making sure that they knew where they were on the Shobi software so that they could actually go back and have that point of reference to their own annotations oh, as well nice. as videos and um, but then sort of obviously we sort of we had talked or already had talked about the sort of the answers to the exam questions they'd already self-marked and they you know and they were they were they were very very happy on the topic already and then we sort of just talked a bit more about just you know the constructions and how they sort of come involved in you know stuff like this and the constructions of flags but then sort of we talked a little bit about loci and sort of really where we were going to be going next got it fantastic and my final question on the, on this uh, specific lesson is what yeah. happens for homework homework john is is homework 
would you set them a homework on construction or have they already kind of covered what you yeah. wanted them to do in the preparation yeah i mean it, on this particular lesson i felt they had they had co they had done all the constructions yep. in their books prior to the lesson they had done the exam questions on it i was about to be building into my next lesson into loci which wouldn't be flip learning uh, because i wanted to get them up and do sort of activities outside where we would do the perpendicular bisector naturally from you know i, I you know, choose two volunteers and tell the class i want you to stand equal distance from these two people nice. and they would all sort of run to the middle collide health and safety <laughs> disaster you know <laughs> they would then sort of you know sort of fan out into the perpendicular bisector like hold on this is the thing we talked about yesterday how would you do this on a page and and then we sort of bring it back into the classroom and and so on um but yeah you know so in that lesson i i i sort of i felt like that i wanted to you know i actually give them a chance to actually go on and do more work on the I let them actually take a lot of the Euclid stuff away with them. I said, if you want to do some more work on this, feel free. The Nepali flag, Nepalese flag, the, the flag in Nepal. I <laughs> actually sort of went on and tried to do that. As I said, three of the guys did come back and finish it off. But um, it really depends on the topic. The half A, B, sign C one um, that I had done in a flip learning approach, um, you know, the students had watched the video uh, before the lesson. They had done one question, which gave me the knowledge that the, the vast majority, well, actually, I think, you know, I think there's about four people that had issues three of the issues were they put the answer down as you know maybe 45 uh, degrees rather than 45 centimeters squared so it was a units error which was quite a minor tweak and one shouldn't obviously had the negative answer for the you know because he was working in regions but uh, for that lesson we you know we had sort of gone into exam questions we had talked about some sort of curveball type questions you know things a bit more outside the box and then actually in that uh, lesson actually I um actually gave two homeworks for them to do. <laughs> um, one was I had chosen even more exam questions because I just think, you know, advanced trigonometry, that, you know, sort of GCSE thing, as much practice, the better. A lot of AO2, AO3 stuff was done in class. I also took up them to take one or two home with them as well. But also I had an extension video on the proof of a half A, B, science C because within that, with that class, there, there was some students who, they will go on and get grade nines. Yeah. Uh, the, you know where the where do things like this come from and it's also encouraging the students to ask why you know you know where does this come from and you've got the time to to delve into that as well um got it yeah. fantastic well if we just um just kind of reflect a little bit on on this flip learning approach so you mentioned i think i'm right in saying this john that roughly maybe 50 percent of topics you would you would cover this way um, yeah depending on the the group i mean you know some groups sort of 25 some 50 but yeah they would definitely be a, a key part of all my classes yeah got it fantastic well i wonder then what what determines which cover which topics you will cover in this way versus which ones you won't yeah so i think the ones with you know that sort of as you said you know the quite procedural ones the the constructions the um even stuff like adding fractions you know can be you know quite you know straightforward that i think you know the students when you get the idea of you know common denominator and so on depending on the ability of the group um you know if i had a you know, like a foundation gcse group i i would probably do adding fractions in class so i can be taking asking key you know questions getting you know their responses back and so on um you know whereas perhaps of a higher class maybe where they've 
encountered it a bit before, you know, can I just need to push on into adding mixed numbers, which they probably have done the adding of um, simple fractions and changing things into top heavy and mixed numbers already. So they're just putting those two together. So that type of thing. Um, topics such as, you know, ratio sharing things out in a you know particular ratio. And um, those are the ones which are, you know, quite straightforward that I would do. There are certain ones which I would definitely, definitely wouldn't do. Some, like I said, like loci, which I, I think they just lead themselves so well to so many, you know, other, you know, as a teacher, you've got different things in your repertoire, yes. things to, to, you know, like if I was doing, um, you know, sort of Venn diagrams again, I would probably, you know, have certain activities in mind um, that I'd want to do, or even things like trigonometry, you know, like if I was doing, you know, getting the students to do, um, you know, right angle triangle, right angle triangle trigonometry, the, the whole, you know, sine cos tan. Um, I, I, that I think it's got so many parts, so many intricate, you know, components to that topic, whether it's the, the labeling of the sides to the, you know, the sort of the how to approach it if it's finding a missing side to how you're going to approach it for a missing angle. You know, what is this sign minus one thing on the, you know, that, that we have to do, you know, why do we do it? There's so many bits to that. And I think actually even the, the video that I've created on the website or that you would see on websites, my one's more of a recap for students that have encountered ah, it before. Yes. And so, and I, I think it's, it's, you know, there's some topics where you want to be asking questions or, you know, with that, the, the triangle one, I'd actually put in questions on, okay, here's some triangles. Can you label the opposite, the adjacent, the hypotenuse? You want to break it down into the, yeah, of course. the, the, the steps to, to build into it. Um, so there's some topics and some that you wouldn't, but again, it sort of depends on the group. And that's probably why with the, the higher end, I'll be pushing towards sort of the, the 50% mark, whereas perhaps with some classes, which, you know they, you know they, they, they want sort of a bit more. They need a little bit more guidance. I might be sort of going for about twenty five percent. But I, I recently had a class, which it was a year ten class, uh, foundation class, um, and we were doing um, area of a triangle, so half the base times the perpendicular height. And um, in that group, there was a student who I just picked that it was a year ten class. It was a, a student in the class who, whenever you'd give them the, the questions, he would typically write down if there was 10 questions you'd write down the numbers one to ten down the side of his page he would gradually get started the first <laughs> one and then by the end of the lesson he maybe have two questions yep, done yep. and also i'd see him quite a lot of the time peering over to his friends beside him and you know he's you know fan, you know fantastic guy you know he's sort of you know in the football team absolutely amazing you know but he he doesn't want to ask questions sure. that have been seen like to stand out in front of the class Whenever um, I'd done this area of a triangle lesson with this class, um, he, he came in, he goes, oh, area of a triangle, it's easy, sir. It's half the base times the height as he walks in. Now, he doesn't normally come into the class sort of saying, oh, this is easy, sir. Um, but he's going, this is easy. And I sort of like, you know, you put up a couple of questions for them to, you know, in that lesson, yeah. put up a couple of questions for them to do. They're all whizzing for it. He's done them straight away. You're doing the problem solving stuff. But it's that he'd seen it in his own time. He'd maybe watched the video once or twice. Yeah. He's done the notes. He's done the examples. And I think particularly also with the, you know, some teachers might say, oh, well, you shouldn't do flip learning with the, you know, the students that might not do it you know or the you know lower ability or so on i think they're the students that actually can benefit from it the most because they're the ones who you know you know with you know if they can sit down at home watch it 
you know, could the, like a video on a topic, sit and watch it, rewind it, get the notes down on it. Um, you know, they, and, and also remember you can go through and help them one-to-one on a lesson and get a lot of time. But, um, you know, it's a lot of students even have their parents helping them, which they probably won't mention in front of the class, but, you know, sitting down, the parents want to get involved as well in education. And so, you know, I, I would say with the foundation classes, you know, the, the lower ability classes, that uh, it can be equally, if not even more successful, because a lot of the top, you know, high ability classes, wherever you go through it in class or you go through it at home, they generally will get it and they will go through and do the, the work and to, to do well in it. You know, they might not, if you don't do use a flip learning approach, get the same opportunity to go through the problem solving out through free questions and, the, and, you know, they might struggle particularly with the new style, you know, the new GCSE questions. But, you know, with the, the foundation ones, I, I definitely think as well that they, there's a lot that they can benefit from there, from there as well. And also, again, the same benefits, the error to error three questions that, you know, look a bit different, that they get used to seeing maths, you know, in a context. Fantastic. And you mentioned, and I'm, I'm really pleased that you, you, you're you confident that this approach works across the ability range. Mm-hmm. I wonder about the age range. Would you, would you still use this with year sevens, John? Or are they, do they have the maturity to respond well to this approach? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've used it with my, I've got a year eight class this year, but I had them in year seven last year. And we used flip learning an awful lot. Actually, they, they I think they were well above the 50% mark. I actually had a weekly schedule of videos that I would want them to watch. Nice. And to do the notes on it and that schedule was given to them at the beginning of the term so a lot of the students actually went far and ahead yes. I've, I've done them all I've done the notes and stuff and that's great but obviously i'd make sure that they you know can you make sure every lesson you're coming <laughs> in having read through it again to remember it um but yeah the with the the year sevens they they actually they it's the perfect age to actually to start they're so keen to when I, had, I had a homework today. It wasn't a flipped learning homework. It was um, it was actually that class in year eight, and it was forming and solving equations. And um, you know, some of the students who come around, oh, sir, I've done my homework. Here it is. <laughs> oh, thanks very much. <laughs> no, we're gonna go through it now, Mark. It, <laughs> but uh, but it was sort of like the, the you know that year seven eight. They they're still at that sort of age where they want to come up, yes, show you what they've course. done, and you know something like the flip learning. Obviously, you need to be very aware that. The year seven, eight, or, you know, year seven, eights. Whenever there's technical issues, they're maybe going to be less resilient, and yes. you know, so on. So it's very, you know, important that you know, for instance, that class. I gave them the weekly schedule for the term. I I would remind them regularly. Make sure you've watched the videos with them. Every video was accompanied with a Google form, um, because I would want them to do this little quiz on Google that yes. I've. You know, they've got so they would say to me they've watched the video and they've done one or two questions and every single one was due two days before the lesson was due so then I could sort of check that they've done it and also it meant that I could actually with the year sevens I would sort of go in and see them sort of in tutor time it's quite lucky I'm at, in tutor times I tend to do a bit of maths intervention so I can yes. pop into the year sevens catch one and say look remember your homework's due the day like tomorrow because obviously this due the two days before so i can go and say your homework's due tomorrow can you make sure you get it done and actually let the tutor here as well and and it generally gets done but you know obviously with the year sevens they they try so hard to make sure they've got it done and also and if if there's a disaster and one hasn't got it done which you know it, it's naturally going to happen you know there's going to be a disaster or something where you know something's come up and um, 
you know, the good thing is also that, you know, if you've got that student, you can sort of say, okay, look, we're going to be doing this lesson. Can you, you know, it's, you know, they've got the iPads, they've got the headphones. Can you watch it? Can you get caught up on it? You know, you make the class aware that, you know, this, or you make the student aware that this is a one-off. Yes. And if this is a regular pattern like anything, you're going to address it, you know, um, you know, as a non-completion. But, you know, they can actually get caught up themselves. And, okay, they might not get the same amount of air to air three questions done, but actually you can then do the catch up with them. But I think at that year seven, eight age, it's sort of, it's definitely a great time to start and get them into the routine. Because as, as we talked about my year 10 class, every single one of them does all of their learnings on time. But it's sort of, it comes through building the routine, you know, that, you know, we are going to do the flip learning. It's not just a one-off for this one no. topic. Because the very first one that you do, you're naturally going to have two, three students that don't do it. And it's like with any new class, they're going to sort of test the boundaries and see how you react. And and whenever you sort of say, look, I want it done, and then they realise you mean you want it done, then it gets done. You know? <laughs> well, that that leads me that that leads me on to the, the one of the final things I was going to ask you about this, John. The yeah. the culture, because you, you talked about it that you needed to get the kind of culture and the and the work ethic right for when the students are doing the five a days and knowing not just to look at the answers and copy them down, but to use the answers as reference and checking points. And I'd imagine there's a a massive kind of culture thing you have to get right to make this flipped learning work. And, I, and I'm just picturing it's not the kind of thing you could as you say do as a one-off with a ropey year 11 say right we're going to try something completely new watch this video blah 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 um how do you have you got any tips if people are listening to this thinking right i, I want to get this embedded in into my regular routine just yeah. for getting that culture right and kind of selling it to the kids in the right way I mean, my my first uh, tip is actually to explain it to the students and what 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 you're going to be doing. What is flip learning? What you know what you're doing? Actually, I've got a presentation that I've used in the past for teachers, and I've obviously taken out some slides. But I then use the same presentation with the the classes that I've got, and I've said, okay, guys, you know, I'm going to ask you to to watch a video and write some notes for your homework, as opposed to doing 20, 30 questions for your homework. And normally that gets the students back straight away. They're like, oh, I can watch a video and I can write notes. And again, that's one of the great benefits of loop learning. It takes away the excuse of not being able to do a homework. Yes. You know, the, the student doesn't, can't say, oh, I, I, I didn't understand it. What you, you were meant to press play and to write some notes down. It's, you know, it's quite straightforward, you know, so the, it takes away that sort of excuse and it takes away that um, issue. Um, and then, so I was explaining it to the students and take the time to explain what flip learning is. And if anyone does want to get a copy of the presentation, it's on Prezi and just email me and I can send you a link to it. Um, but also um, what I would also do is, um, you know, make sure the first time you do, you're going to do a flip learning lesson, try out the technology, you know, like, yourself maybe get a few colleagues to try it out for you because if you want the students to go and watch a video and you've emailed them a link and the link doesn't work yes. rather than the students going oh the link didn't work there's an issue with you know the te my teacher's technology skills <laughs> you know it, it's going to be um you know it's going to be off oh, flip learning doesn't work yeah of course so, uh, you know so you need to test the technology you need to obviously make sure that you know you've got the the right video and that's another thing to sort of say you know it's it's a great way to to you know to you know, to practice your own explanations yes. as well so maybe even create a video and, and we might talk about videos later but but i would say that you know test out the technology try it out maybe with a like an a-level group or a small sort of yes. group to begin with um or sort of a mature group to get their feedback on the things that you know would be helpful like you know if you're going to email them the links make sure that they're working um but also um you know take time to explain it to the students and you know and also um 
I tend not to explain it, like take the time to have to go and explain it to the parents because generally if I'm explaining it to the students and this is what we're going to do, to me it's just this is your homework, this is what yes. you're going to do. In the lesson we're going to be doing questions and at home it's not, it, it doesn't have to be made into a big deal. It's just a okay, rather than doing the questions tonight, you're going to watch the video. But at the parents' evenings, I do sort of, you know, make sure that I sort of explain about it so they know that the students are going to be watching videos that they can help and support and get involved. And, and they're really help, they're, they really help, they find it really helpful. And a lot of the parents tend to, as I said, want to get involved. So, but yeah, so I would say the main thing is try and make sure everything works. And because if something doesn't work, then it's, and, and also just pick, make sure you watch the videos carefully. <laughs> yes. I would say Corbin Mavs ones are amazing. Fantastic <laughs> as well, um, but the, you know, there's there's so many you know there's so many videos out there. There's generally I, I used. I keep on getting ideas here. <laughs> no, also, make sure the video you choose matches up with your approach. You know, like if you're going to be doing trigonometry, and you know, you prefer to use soccer tour, or you know, if you like to use triangles, or if you like to use certain approaches to different topics, you know, make sure that the video matches that and there will be one out there um because there's so many videos out there yeah you're right and that was going to be one thing i was going to ask you there it's well yeah it's not it's not it shouldn't be seen as a lazy approach to teaching right there's it shouldn't be seen as right i'm just going to get the kids to watch the video and do the teaching to it you've got to you're absolutely right you've either got to have created the video yourself so you yeah. know exactly the content or you've yeah. got to have watched it because I, I've been there myself where Definitely. I've um, tried to like a kid from another maths teacher's class has come to me and said sir can you just help me on this and I've tried to explain it but I've done it in a completely different way to, to yeah. they understand it and they're like really really confused yeah. so as you say you've yeah. got to have watched the video so one quick question for you John before I yeah. ask you the last question on this is have you yeah. used other people's videos or do you always use your own for your own students? No, um, I mean, in terms of A-level, and I have used flip learning for A-level classes, um, I, w- I would use Hegarty Mavs quite a bit. Um, I, for, Again, this for certain topics, which I've watched and I've made sure that his style matches up with my own style on that topic. But, um, but yeah, that like that. I haven't made A-level videos yet. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I will be in the near future. I'm going to hopefully have a lot more time coming up in the, the summer and onwards. But so I'm hoping that sort of I'm going to be able to to have a lot more time to make those A-level videos. But I have used others, not for any that I've got a video on because... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because sir, why are you using this one? <laughs> but, yeah. Is this teacher better at you? <laughs> better than you? But, no, um, but you know, I, I, again, the flip learning, it's... Um, Okay, the the as you said about the sort of the lazy style, I I would say the the planning and the time goes into a different area. Yes. Um, obviously with the videos, if you've got a video made before, or if you've got a teacher's video that you think that's spot on, that's exactly the way that I do it, then obviously that's going to save you having to do the smart board presentation or the PowerPoint or whatever you're going to do to do the explanation part of the lesson. Perhaps you know as long as the students understand it well, um, and you've assessed that prior to the lesson, you're happy with that. Yes. But obviously the main bit is then you've got an R lesson where you're going to be getting the students to do lots and lots and lots more work. The main thing that I found with flip learning was, wow, there's so much time, yeah. uh, you know, and you've got to make sure that, you know, if the, the constructions ones, okay, I had a few different enrichment activities in there, but if you are going to be looking for those good AO2, AO3 questions, you need to find those, you need to, you know, make sure the answers are there for them somehow. You know, the, the sort of the, the planning is it's, to me, it's sort of you're focusing on a, just a different area. So, yeah. 
Fantastic. Well, that's that's perfect. You, you've covered my final question there, John. This is absolutely perfect. So, now you'll like this. You'll like this seamless link here. Let's flip it on its head. See what I've done yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And what I want to talk now about, if it's all right, is uh, if you could uh, just think in, in your past, John, of a lesson that's not gone as well as you'd have liked it to. And again, it's, it's always a nasty one for teachers to think back to here. And I wonder if you could just talk us through in as much detail as you can bear the, the we'll lesson itself. And crucially, what did you learn from it? Yeah, so just one lesson, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, um, I've, I've obviously, as teachers, lessons are going to go wrong. And, you know, it happens to us. I mean, as I've been teaching 10, 11 years and it, it happens wouldn't say on a daily basis. <laughs> Please don't sack me. I know, but it, happen, it happened, you know, it happens all the time, but I've still got this one lesson ingrained in my memory. Um, I sort of, I don't know if you sort of have, you know, whenever you're going back to school in September, I always have nightmares, yes. maybe the two, three nights before of not being able to control a class yeah, or the, not listening to them. It always tends to be the students from this class and not okay. the lovely <laughs> students but I think it was just this one lesson and um, I was teaching ratio and um, it was sharing a uh, sharing a quantity in a given ratio so if I had that now I'd be perfect going to video 269 and Corbett <laughs> <laughs> is that literally the right video number there John as well is that the kind yeah, of nice I, 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 <laughs> a bit yeah, sad but I'm impressed with that knowledge yeah, I, I, I did get mocked for that a bit <laughs> but, <laughs> but um but yeah I was I was teaching sharing a qu- uh, quantity in a given ratio so year what, nine class year, year nine sorry got it yeah yep yeah, I'm there and I'm up at the front and I just start talking about sharing a number and a quantity and I sort of decided to sort of start doing it sort of um, procedurally and up at the front and and then I sort of stopped midway through that explanation and I thought Do you know what it'd be good if I'd actually show this using some and I think what I had to hand was some colouring in pens nice. and colouring and I decided I'm going to share these in a given ratio and I start talking about sharing them in a given ratio and I go back to the board and the class just looked totally confused. <laughs> and um, some of them are like, yeah, okay, I get this. Um, my teacher taught me about this well last year. I can get on with it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I've got hands everywhere. I'm really confused. What would you know, notice too is that look, you know, they're, they're looking at you as in like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so then what I sort of said is, okay, I, I finished the example and I was like, okay, and I made another one up and <laughs> it wasn't divisible by the, you know, it wasn't oh, that well. No. It was that a non-integer, yes. uh, whenever you know, like in each part. <laughs> um, and so that didn't go down too well. So, and I, I can't really remember what happened next, but I just remember being at the back of the room with a group of six students with more colouring in pencils, <laughs> sharing stuff out, and uh, and the bell went, and I was just like, thank God. <laughs> No, it was just it was like a boxing match where I just didn't know what had yes, happened, and, yes. and it, it ended. And um, I went home that night, beat myself up about it, and planned a much, much better lesson. And the next lesson, really focused on the explanation. I mean, that was sort of a big learning lesson, like a, a sort of a, a good sort of lesson for me, really. And really focused on the explanation, what words I was going to say, what what key phrases was I going to say during the explanation, um, actually thinking of what questions I was going to ask throughout the explanation to make sure this, you know, actually planning it out, not word for word, but all the key points Absolutely. of it rehearsing it at home yeah no you're right you're right <laughs> which actually is quite useful now for the videos <laughs> but, um, and then actually going in and obviously you, you, you can't rehearse an explanation to a class because they're all going to ask them from questions but i was prepared 
and prepared for the explanation part of the lesson because up until that point it was maybe about november of my nqt year my planning you know comprised of getting a presentation yes. uh, or making a presentation making the questions um and with the presentation it was just some examples um getting the, the questions the answers going in and you know going you know working my way through it or if it was a construction lesson um you know such as bob the builder was like okay going for that step by step yes. but it was really you know, that's the key part of the lesson is actually how you're going to transfer what the knowledge in your mind, absolutely, the mind of the the minds of the thirty people or thirty four for you know whatever people you know number of students in the class, you know, and that's the key part. So it's you know what are you going to say? And I, you know, and I think that's it's become a bit. It, that was a big lesson for me, and actually it informed. I never wanted that to happen again. Um, so that's why. The, the how am I going to explain this? How am I going to? What questions are going to ask? And yes. uh, that sort of has then led on to the videos and so on. You know, and how they're quite successful because keeping that explanation concise to the point, and uh, yeah, not like my answers. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you've you've hit upon one of my kind of things. I'm I'm absolutely yeah. It's an obsession of mine. This because I don't think. Certainly, my my teacher training, and I, I spoke to my my old math teacher, my math tutor on, on this podcast. And I had a fantastic PGC, but I don't think we were ever t told just how important that explanation is. It almost goes kind of unsaid. And I remember back back when I was. Um, planning my first few lessons all my time went into preparing those powerpoints whether it's getting yeah. the animations bouncing in right getting the flipping <laughs> font design, right or whatever yeah exactly <laughs> and then moving on from that i worry about this is me generalizing sounding like some flipping grumpy old man here but i worry about today's <laughs> uh, kind of maths trainees with 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 tears and like joe morgan's fantastic website and all the wonderful resources that are out there i worry <laughs> that a lot of planning goes into simply finding resources and then assuming everything's going to be good to go from there. But as you say, it's that explanation that needs to be right. It's all well and good having the best kind of resource in the world ready to go. You've got to have thought through what questions are you going to ask the kids? What likely questions are the kids going to ask you? And in an ideal world, have two explanations up your sleeve for whenever the first one doesn't go so well. And that's, that is more important than having the fanciest looking PowerPoint or the best worksheet in the world. But I, I don't know if you agree with me, John, but I think that's, that's something that's overlooked often in the planning process yeah I mean, yeah uh, a lot of it comes through the learning experience i find yes. you know that it's you know as an nqt as a pgc student i didn't know two or three different ways to yes. tackle completing the square or this or that um or i didn't know three or four different ways to to demonstrate pythagoras's theorem um you know so i think a lot of it comes through experience um but yeah no i do agree that it is a vital, vital part of the lesson, and is, is it overlooked? Um, well, I, again, I, I had, um, you know, I've only had, I've only done my PGC once, so I can't sort of speak for all the courses up and down the country, and you know, so. But my PGC was absolutely phenomenal, and as I said, like Jan and Lorinda, um, who were our course mentors, one of the things they used to do with us, uh, not, I don't know if this was. Actually, I don't know if this was them or whether it was the school that it was at, but, you know, we were recommended not to sort of use textbooks. Right. And we were recommended to create our own questions. And whenever you're then creating your own questions and worksheets, you're then thinking about, okay, yes. 
these are the questions that I want the students to be able to do. These are the objectives. These are the questions I'm going to create from that. Okay, my explanation needs to cover all those things. What am I going to need to explain? How am I going to explain it? Yes. And it sort of avoids the sort of the using the resource, you know, just taking a resource that's out there and using that and falling into the situation that I've fallen into an awful <laughs> lot of my NQT year, but then like less and less frequently as I get older, like older, <laughs> more experienced. Um, you know, you sort of you get to know what are the great resources on that topic or what yes. are the great what are the great sites that I can generally just dip into. But uh, even though I would say that was one of the great, great things that happened on my PCE course, I, I think then whenever I went to into the school, you know, the first three or four months, it was a case of every single lesson I was creating the yeah. questions, question by question, the, the the presentations that, and it took me up until about Christmas for somebody to say, look, John, like just copy, use, you know, you, you got to think of, you know, a ways to survive as well. Yeah, and of course. You do need to have a life. It's, it's, I think it's much better to, to find a great resource off Mr. Barton Mav or, <laughs> <laughs> or you know, of another, of another site that, you know, if you, you know, you scan for, you make sure it's good and you're happy with it, you know, than it is to write it question by question. Oh, I wouldn't, right. recommend, you know, I wouldn't recommend that. But, but as you said, the explanation part is key and it is something that you need to, to, you know, every, everyone needs to, to sort of look at. But then again, as teachers, we get to learn quickly if that goes wrong. Yeah, and no, you, we learn from that. And... You're right. You're absolutely right. And I think the fi the final point I'll make make on this is just I think my worry's been over the last few years, and I don't know if you've picked up on this as well, John. There's there's almost been a trend in in maths teaching away from the teacher as the expert, and often the message coming through is you shouldn't. And I think Ofsted have a lot to take responsibility for here, and I know they've changed it recently, but a lot of inspection reports I've said is the teacher's talking too much, the teacher's dominating <laughs> the lesson too much. And it's almost like the student should be discovering the learning and all this. So I think often teachers are reluctant to give that detailed explanation because there's a fear that they're doing the wrong thing. It's that the kids should be doing it themselves. And I just think that's a dangerous thing, especially with maths, where there's so many misconceptions, so many places yeah, kids yeah. can go wrong. That explanation is crucial and it needs to be given by the expert it needs to be yeah. given by the teacher if that makes sense yeah I, and, and i think you sort of i've been teaching quite a long time you get to sort of learn that things sort of go around in cycles <laughs> yes. whenever i first started discovery and group work and you know some were really really top of the agenda yes. um, and then now recently sort of then you've had stuff like the the mastery and then sort of going back to the the sort of the concrete pictorial abstracts yes. modeling and different you know and they sort of it has gone sort of to you know the things that you're describing is what need you know needs to be sort of done sort of seems to be you know going back to that style and yes. i went to a, a, a traditional school uh, where you know, our lessons were 35 minutes long uh you know whenever i was in school and the starter tended to be well we just tended to get stuck into yeah, the map really and and it you know it was a lot of chalk and talk by some of the teachers but it was it was they were the expert and yes. we were learning it and it wasn't just chalk and talk it was the questioning yes. the bringing the students into it that you know you can have the most engaging lesson by a teacher being up at the front with a pen and yes. you don't need a, a presentation or anything you can just have a pen the teacher's personality and rapport with the students and that getting them involved with it and and so i think styles and activities and you know there's there's so many you know even in terms of discovery there i've got some great discovery lessons that i like to use myself and then you know build upon that in yes. terms of the explanation and to bring it into the examples but i do think that 
a key part of maths has got to be, I think, modeling. Okay, the, you know, I'm teaching you angles and polygons. These are the questions that tend to, you know, you're going to be asked. Like you're going to be asked questions on how do you find interior angles of polygons, you know, for non, you know, irregular ones. And then what about regular ones? Or what about exterior angles? What about the number of sides? You've got to think of, we've got to prepare the students for Absolutely. what they need to know. And discovery on something like that's all well and good, but then you've got to go through. And what, if I go back to, you know, you asked me what my favorite topic was in school. Uh, you know, mine's was just the, you know, mechanics. And along with the teacher being passionate, one of the things he did have was along with the course in the, you know, the, the questions in the textbook, he also gave the students um, a sort of a, a spiral bound notes, examples on every single topic. You know, this is this was back in the sort of the, the sort of the the nineties. So you know, I don't, you know, the, you know, it must have taken him so long to make. But yes. I use that, you know. So again, if Mister Cantley's listening, thanks so much. But <laughs> no, but um, but um, the, you know, I still use that set of examples because it was a comprehensive set of yes. questions on every single topic. And you know, whenever it came to the exam, I got a hundred percent in it. And why? Because I felt that whatever type of question that was going to come up, I've seen before, or anything that was a bit unusual, I had enough confidence in all of the topics to then think oh okay what if i do this or what if i do that and yeah got it fantastic all right john so what i want to move on to now is is the website and i i'm going to be honest with you here i'm, I'm going to apologize in advance because i have so many questions and so much kind of detail of what i want to get into this so uh, uh, hopefully listeners will find it as, as interesting as i'm finding it because it's just that the process of well, well, I guess what I want to know first is is how did it all begin, John? When, when did you decide that you were going to start recording videos for your students and then crucially sharing them with the world? <laughs> yeah, it, it sort of it came about really from uh, two key things. One was um, I had parents at uh, parents evening, um, you know, whenever we were talking about maths and talking about helping their children, they would say stuff like, oh, but things have changed from whenever I was in school or... Um, you know, you get this thing, you know, like, uh, you know, I couldn't do maths, <laughs> um, 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 you know, and sort of, um, you know, so I, I, and they would sort of mention multiplication and back whenever I started making the the, the website and the videos, um, a lot of it was grid method and not column and, or you know, and so on. Um, and so it sort of it came about, or one part of it was I wanted to make videos to help parents help their children. Yes. And. Um, then the other aspect was, and it sort of went hand in hand, was whenever I was in the lesson, um, I remember I was taking, like, it was, well, actually, it was not just one particular class, it was nearly every class. Whenever I was doing maybe, going back to doing a bit of ratio or something, and it was dividing 357 by 7, um, I'd say, okay, let's divide it. And the students would like, oh, I can't do division. Yeah. And, you know, again, it might not be a, a, during a class explanation because obviously if it was midway through a class explanation, you would probably just model it there and, you know, re, you know get them to talk you through the steps themselves. Um, but um, but particularly as you're walking around the class helping students, a lot of the time you'd say, oh, sir, I can't remember how to do division. And you'd put up an example. You'd go to get started. You'd do the first step and they're like, oh, yeah, I've got it now. Yep. Or, yep. you know, if it was multiplication or anything. And what I found that over the years, I was constantly having to do those two, three minute little explanations because you're picking up classes from other teachers you know it might be and they used a different technique or a different style and you know what I found was that I was having to repeat myself over and over and over and over again and actually what I felt was it'd be great if one I had the videos for the parents but two because we had sort of moved into a new school in 2011 and every student had an uh, a netbook back then yeah. 
that actually it'd be good to actually utilize these <laughs> this whatever million or like how many hundred yes. thousand pound investment that actually it'd be good to actually have them for an educational purpose uh, rather than going on facebook and <laughs> um, so uh, what i felt was well actually if they've got the ipad why do i need to actually give them the three minutes just going through something which is quite simple that they will remember you know, obviously if it's something more complex uh, i wouldn't just say watch video division 98 or multiplication video 199 or 200 <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> but uh, but uh, but uh, you know the the sort of i can help them help themselves a lot like if i wanted to know how to do something i tend to go onto youtube and look it up well you know does my teacher need to be the first point a port a port, a port of call you know could i have um you know could i check my notes or could i just quickly watch a video of him recapping it yeah. um, so that's sort of how it started it started back in 2012 um uh, you know adding resources and that was actually during the olympics um it, it, team ireland weren't winning too many gold medals <laughs> it's a bit hard watching britain win and everything so <laughs> so um so yeah my, my wife's not a teacher so um i had the summer holidays to myself watching the olympics yeah. and although water polo is fantastic um <laughs> I, I got a little bit bored of it so actually i just started making some videos and and so it, and it quickly got sort of all the key sort of bits that are key videos that I felt would have been useful with the parents and the students. And then as I was doing that, I then thought, well, hold on a minute. What are all the topics? And just created a list and I thought, let's get started. And a couple of years later, it was not done because then there's been changes and new things added. But <laughs> it's getting <laughs> and when did you make the decision, John, that because I, I assume your school's got like a VLE or something like that, where you could have kept these on kind of a closed system. When, yeah. when and why did you make the decision to share these videos so people who weren't your students or weren't the parents yeah. of your students could start to watch them? Yeah, well, actually, I mean, I, I didn't actually imagine that actually the, the website would be anything more than my classes, my students, even though I was making these and putting them online. I just felt, well, who's going to stumble across the website? Yes. You know, it's sort of, there were so many other fantastic websites out there at the time. Um, and, well, you know, videos, I, I don't think, you know, I think videos were just, I don't think there were that many Mavs videos around back back then, back back in 2011, 12. So, yeah, so the, the sort of the, the, you know, the, the, the reason why I sort of done it that way was really just I wanted it to be as easy as, the, well, obviously the, I wanted the parents of the students in school to access it. Yes. Um, so obviously I wanted them to be able to just get online and sure. to go on rather than have to log in. Um, I suppose a little selfish part of me, all this was done in the summer holidays. So also I kind of felt it was my website and my of work. Course, in, yeah. Not, you know, it's not something that, like, I, I don't think, you know, my school's fantastic and, you know, that, but, you know, they wouldn't, you know, sort of, you know, but they, you know, they, you know, I think they would understand if I was putting in five work, five weeks of solid work in the, the summer holidays, actually, that's all his work and that's his website. And, but also they, they realized the, the benefits that it's had with the, the thousands of students that have sort of gone through the school. And, um, but yeah, so it's sort of, it, the, it's, it's sort of, the, I don't think there was a real conscious decision I'm going to use. Actually, I think it also, I don't think the VLE, we, we did use Moodle at the time. I don't think it would have coped yes. with the videos. Um, I, you know, I think we had a limit of, was it five megabytes of uploading? So I think at the minute on the site, there's something like 10 gigabytes worth of videos on there. Yeah. So uh, I think that's sort of... <laughs> Jeez, so, yeah. so let me get this right. So you, you started in the summer of 2012. And yeah. what... What were kind of the first videos you recorded? Were they for um, like a particular class you had in mind, particular topics? How did it, where did it all start with the videos? 
Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I can't really remember. I think it started off by me making some videos to trial it out with, you know, maybe topics like division, multiplication, yeah. the key, the key ones that were quite repetitive. And then after I made about, I think it was quite quickly, I made about 10 within a couple of days. Right. Um, that was, you know, the like the old style um, video that I used to make, um, you know, we quite low tech with the iPad and the, the sort of the, the, the whiteboard and the, the pen rather than sort of the, the new versions. But um, but yeah, I sort of made about, you know, maybe maybe 10 videos over the course of a week. And very quickly, I realized, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm enjoying explaining the topic I'm explaining and also felt what if I shouldn't ask me about vectors or what if, and, and then I just felt, you know what, let's, let's just do this. And yeah. it's actually, it's, I think the other bit with me with the website is as a teacher, you find that actually you have focuses in school and those focuses over the years change and you quite often get stuff started. Yes. I wanted to get something finished. I wanted a, a complete thing. Now, my wife and I jokes when every time I mention that my wife says you'll never finish it <laughs> there'll always be something that I want to add to the website but, but, uh, but it's, it's 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 that sense of okay I've made 10 videos how many are there and I think I made a list of about 350 and I thought okay let's just get stuck in and and obviously with the new GCSE and so on, I think it's up to about 400 or so. And Jeez. there's going to be more, you know, obviously with the primary and the A-level that are going to go on. But it's just, it's sort of, it's just growing. And, uh, you know, it's taken thousands and tens of thousands of hours oh, to, I bet. I bet. Well, that, to, well, to, to make it all. Well, that's, that's what I want to know now, John. So let's, if you could possibly pick a specific video, maybe one that you've got coming up that you're about to record or one that one that you've just recently recorded. And I wonder if you could just take us through the process of, of making the video. Where does it start? When you decide what topic you're going to record a video on, well, mm. what's the first thing you think about? Well, the first thing I think about usually is the, you know, how would I explain it in class? Um, I would think of, okay, I want to teach this to my class. I tend to forget about the fact it's a video that I'm just putting up online, but obviously it's got, you know, obviously it hasn't got the facility that people can interrupt me midway through and ask me a question. Yes. Um, but I think the main things are, one, how would I explain it in class, but keeping in mind that it's a revision video and I want it to be five to 10 minutes long. I, yes. I want it to be snappy. And within that five to 10 minutes, I want to have the, explana the explanation done in a good detail going through a perfect, like I want the explanation to be perfect. Um, I want to talk about any you know misconceptions and make sure all the key bits are covered. And then I think it's important that I then go through the exam style questions that you could get on that topic where, you know, building up from the most straightforward up to maybe something a bit more complex, you know, just giving the students examples of things that, you know, would happen on it. So if it was a half A, B, sign C, um, or actually if I go back to maybe a topic that I've done recently, a video that I've put off for a long time was vectors. Uh, it, uh, it was just, you know, obviously there's so much involved. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, you've got the concept, the the explanation needs to be perfect because the things that I might just say in class, like, oh, it's uh, like, you know, you just you need, you know, I'm sort of aware that there's going to be, I was going to say hundreds, but there's going to be potentially thousands, oh, yeah. tens of thousands of students that are watching it. Um, there's going to be teachers watching it. And I don't want the teachers to get a bad impression. Like, oh, hold on, he's used you know something that's not 
perfectly correct in his explanation. You, you don't want to lose the confidence of the teachers. So you want to make sure the explanation is perfect. But also with something like vectors, it's you've got a lot of diagrams, you've got a lot of artwork to do in the, the sort of the smart board presentation. So you're creating the smart board to go along with it. And then you're thinking, okay, what are the things that I need to do? Okay, there's got to be the concept of what is a vector. Then there's got to be the, you know, are you, are you going to focus on in one video the idea of column vectors as well as the A, B type sort of vector type question as well? Um, you know, so there's lots of different things you'd need to consider. And then it's how far are you going to go up in that in that video? How are you going to go up to parallel line, you know, proving lines of power? Yes. About parallel and so on, and um, so yeah, so it's, it's a, an awful lot of planning. I mean, that one, I, obviously, I said I want to keep it between five to ten minutes, something like vectors. I think it did take me about 17, 18, 20 minutes yeah, perhaps, on that on that one. It's it's one of the exceptions where the video is longer than ten minutes because I tend not to want to make them longer than ten minutes because I'm, I've got to be conscious that. The students that are revising maths, they've got all their other GCSEs yes. for as well, and and they've got lives, and they've you know they've got Snapchats to reply to, you know, <laughs> you know, and it's also whenever I want to go on and watch something, I don't want to sort of be you know like I want to just get what I want need from yes. it and then get on to what I want to do, and um, so that's the thing. It's got to be snappy, but it's got to be in enough detail. So something like vectors is the exception where it's you know maybe take it's you know it has tw it's twenty minutes long, and, but then oh, sorry, John, and can I just ask about about this explanation as well? Because you're absolutely right. So, I mean, I've dabbled a little bit in videos myself, and you make one mistake, and and in class you just cover it up or whatever or clarify it, but as soon as you make that mistake, slip over a word or something like that in a video, it's it's there forever. So your explanations are you literally scripting them or do you have bullet points how much detail do you, do you have do you prepare yeah i mean i, I, I wouldn't I, I i wouldn't script the explanation probably you can probably tell that from my interview I'm a, bit, <laughs> <laughs> a bit more ad hoc um, no i wouldn't i i, I would plan out the presentation i would plan out the order in which i would want to yes. the sequence of learning that i want to to sort of to take place throughout the you know the you know the the sequence of guidance that i would want to you know put through in the video and yes. um, but then what i would do is i would you know go through um a slide i would make sure my explanation i would go through and actually explain it i would probably re-record the same bit you know, two, three times sometimes. I do go through and try to do the, the video in one perfect section. But as soon as I make a mistake, I just stop and just go through it again. Or particularly the vectors one, it, it took me ages to get, you know, like even sort of trying to describe the AB with the arrow above it yes, and use oh, it rotation for it. And, um, or sometimes I would stumble over a word. And so what I would tend to do is I would tend to try and just go through it as I normally would go through in a lesson. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with that vectors one, I think it, I had nine sections of video uh, to put together. But within those nine sections, some of them had maybe five, six, seven, eight, nine different takes to oh it. Oh, my God. So there's a lot of sort of editing that happens after you do the video. Um, you might not know that from watching it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you might go and watch it and I think, oh, that was a minute. Um, but no, um, yeah, so a lot of, you know, so it would be, make the presentation, go through it, sort of explain it, but then it's getting the explanation that you're absolutely perfect to. So going back, listening to it, thinking, yep, that's perfect, and then putting it together. And then actually just before I'm finished, listen through and again for how many times I say, okay, and you know, and <laughs> using those out so that I don't, you know, <laughs> so that I don't, um, you know, get annoyed whenever I listen back to it. But um, I do say, okay. Well, yeah. let me ask you, John, as well. Again, this is 
from a bit of a geek perspective here, but yeah. what what's yeah. the exact um, kind of software and hardware that you're using there? So you mentioned you're using SmartBoard to do the yeah. SmartBoard software to do the kind of presentations. Yeah. What, yeah. Uh, what 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 else have you got in your setup? Yeah, so uh, I use a Mac. Uh, so I've got um, a piece of software called Camtasia, which it records a desktop. I have been told that I could use, is it QuickTime and so on, and that's just as good. But I, I, I bought the software before yes. sort of exploring the functions, and I, I like it, so I tend to, to use that. So it records the, the video. Um, I use a microphone. Um, the microphone is my Samson. That's S-A-M-S-O-N. Uh, it's quite a fancy one because actually um, I find with, whenever I first started making the digital videos that there was a lot of feedback yes. and interference and I felt if I was going to be spending a lot of time doing the explanations that actually I would want to be happy listening back to it and um, I've then got a bamboo tablet uh, which sort of I plug into the Mac to sort of to use um, it's sort of maybe A4 size perhaps um, and uh, sort of use that tablet to 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 write on um, my handwriting in the classroom is actually not as good as actually on the tablet <laughs> um, and um, and then after I film it I then put those sections into iMovie and in iMovie then I would go and do the editing and that sort of you know so the making of the yeah so and then in iMovie then I would sort of go through do the editing and stuff and then export it and then upload it. And yeah. when you're doing the editing, you mentioned, say, the vectors one would be in nine sections, and within yeah. those there might be four or five takes. Are you kind of doing those four and five takes, then watching those and looking for the best one, or do, no, no. do you kind of bin them as you go, knowing that you've made a mistake, so you just yeah. kind of redo them? Yeah, definitely bin as I go through. Um, you know, the, the sort of yeah, I'd make a lot of silly noises to make sure that sort of a realistic background. That's that's not the one that I want. Got it. Got it. Uh, um, but yeah, sort of, uh, I'll bin as I go through, start over again a lot of the time. Um, but if it is sort of a little mistake as I've gone through, and I just want to uh, like go back and carry on, I'll just make a couple of noises to myself yes. so that I know that actually that's the one that I want to go back to. But yeah, I do sort of do an awful lot of binning as I go through. It does take me quite a while well, to sort of put that's, together. that's my next question john i mean the vectors one possibly is a bit of a bit of an exception because it's a longer yeah. video but yeah. just since we've talked about that can you give put a time on that for from from thinking about it to uploading it um, yeah. how, how many hours of actual work have gone into that vectors video would you say so i would say i mean it probably would have maybe the smart board presentation might have 15 slides perhaps yeah. Um, that might take me two evenings to prepare um, because obviously I've got to I've got to make every question from scratch because you know obviously copyright I don't want to use yes. anyone else's questions so you're trying to make up vectors questions get the diagrams right it is it's a bit of an exception yeah. as you say but that probably would take me maybe ten hours to prepare the presentation. Oh my god! <laughs> this is why I got put down quite late. <laughs> and then the actual filming of it um, that would probably take me. For the twenty-minute video, it'll probably take me two to three hours. And then the editing, maybe another hour. So probably that one, you know, took quite a long time. The, the early ones that you see on the website, quite a lot of those were done with an iPad and just gone through. So if teachers are perhaps want to do flip learning themselves, it doesn't have to be as polished yes. as this. The students, a lot of my students say they really like the fact that if it is filmed with my hand doing it. They just feel as if they're there yes. listening to me doing the lesson, so that's fine. Um, but um, but yeah, I would say a sort of a standard one using sort of the setup that I've got, yes. maybe 
an hour, two hours, two hours preparing the presentation, maybe another two hours preparing the or like doing it, putting it together. So maybe about five hours per video. Um, yeah, I know that sort of sounds a lot, but it has been done over the course of sort of four or five years. So it's sort of you know just yeah. Flipping. Uh, we're going to get into your actual uh, kind of work-life balance and how you fit all this <laughs> in a, a little later, John. But already I'm panicking here a little bit. Um, the, what, what, the other question I was going to ask you about this is um, you mentioned that vectors would be a particularly difficult one, and I could imagine mm-hmm. that. Is there any um, kind of general areas of maths that you don't like doing videos on compared to yeah. some that you particularly do enjoy video doing videos yeah, on? Yeah, I like I like topics where there's generally one approach. So, yes. um, but something that you know would be quite standard. Something like addition, adding decimals. You're going to line them up. The decimal yes. points. You're going to okay. You might put zeros on them to make them the same length. You're then going to add them. You know, it's going to be quite straightforward. Sure. And there's generally no other way to do that. Uh, that then that, that, hold on, you're going to have hundreds of responses saying, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, you know. Um, but the topics which I dislike the most uh, that I really hate are ones where there's multiple methods. I see the sort of a valid sort of reason to use any of them. I've maybe got a preferred one, which might not be traditional sort of approach and something like M term for quadratic sequences. Um, I've actually created three different videos for that one on the website. So I think it's 388A, 388B and 388C. (laughs) There's actually three different approaches because you know, I've got my set approach that I like to use, and that is I make sure the students are aware what a quadratic nth term is, the an squared plus bn plus c. Um, I make sure they, um, you know, know, if the first term is 1, they're the n's 1, so the first term will be a plus b plus c. The second term, obviously, then n's equal to 2 and so on, and you can sort of get the expressions. You can then take away the expressions to get the first inferences. You can then take away to get the second inferences, which are always 2a. So, you know, so I'm making sure the students are aware of where that comes from before then deducing the approach or, you know, you know, getting the approach that I prefer. Yes. Um, and then, so we'd obviously use a second inference, you know, get the a, the, the first, first inference will be 3a plus b. So then you can get the, you know, the b because obviously the students have seen where that comes from and then we can use the first term which would be a plus b plus c to get the c so then we can generate the quadratic nth term yeah, i do I, not I, I think i'm with you yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was interested i was at the mavs conference eight in yeah. uh kettering and um there was a great session by uh pete uh, matlock yes and he was sort of doing a sort of a, a similar like thing where he was mentioning the different approaches That's to it right. And um, I was actually nodding, going, "Yep, I love this approach. It's the one that he is." <laughs> um, but um, as I say, great minds think alike. But um, you know, some of our teachers they use a similar type thing to get the a, yes. and then there's some teachers actually talk about a zero term yeah, where they right. yep. back, and that doesn't sit well with me. No, the idea of zero right. term, um, <laughs> but uh, but but anyway, it's what teachers use. And then I think one of the most common approaches tends to be the approach where you get the second yes. difference. You get the A, you then generate that AN squared sequence, take the way to get a linear and do the nth term that way. and, and I, I mean, all of them sort of, I mean, to do all three approaches, I think the students need to understand where the, why the second difference is 2A yes. anyway. So therefore they're seeing all those over algebraic terms. But anyway, I think with that one, I couldn't create one video that would include all those approaches because I didn't want to confuse the students. 
but I wanted to make sure that the teachers, you know, across the UK, whenever they're across you know, the country, whenever they're, you know, teaching uh, or using corporate maths for this topic, that you could, they can say to the class, okay, I want you to watch 388B, right. that's our approach, or I'm using 388C, that's my approach. Um, just because it's sort of, the site sort of has become quite popular, and I know that a lot of teachers use it, so I want to make sure that I'm, doing what's right for them as well as well that's a load of extra work that though right because you've then got to try and figure out all the different approaches then Mm. obviously it's not enough just to know how to do them yourself then you've got to figure out how best to convey them to do it clearly and so on and as you've said like just when you were picking a little example out there the adding decimals the more you think about topics the more different uh, variations of approach become apparent like yeah, I do, I do. I do sort of with the videos. I would, I would tend to think <laughs> my preferred way is generally. Yes. I'm usually quite. You know, whenever it comes to equations, I'm a big fan of. You know, you do the same thing to both yes. sides and so on. I'm not a big fan of flow diagrams no, because no. you're going to have letters on both sides at some point. And and I I tend to you know like yourself whenever you're teaching eleven years and you've taught the A levels and so on, you tend to think of okay, this is the best way I'll do that topic for what they're going to need to yes. do later. So sort of generally there is that one approach for a lot of topics uh, because I think Pythagoras' theorem, there's generally, you know, one, you know, you're going to be using you know, Pythagoras' theorem and so on. Um, but I do think, you know, for certain key ones that I would do, and that's one example of what I'm thinking is solving trig equations. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the cast diagram. Yes. Uh, but I have a lot of colleagues who teach. Um, you, you know, some of them use the curves and oh, use course, the, the yeah. graphs and use those and transformations of those. Um, I have another teacher that I know, and she sort of gets the students to learn with sign you add and minus this and so on. I, I can't remember the exact rules that she gets them to use, but you know. So whenever I get to that video, I'm going to oh, be in flipping this pickle again. Oh God. <laughs> Flipping out, John. And well, I guess to to look on the bright side of all this, has it made you a better explainer creating these videos? Would you say has it improved your delivery in the classroom? Definitely. I think like from even thinking, you have to think carefully about all the approaches that teachers use in a topic. So then you're really weighing up the pros and cons in each one, and then deciding which ones you're you know your preference so you're sort of analyzing the different approaches and thinking okay this is the best one because of that so you're thinking through that carefully and you're not just lifting up a scheme of work and thinking do you know what i'm just gonna do that approach or so on and the other thing is i suppose also is as i said with the, the videos you're you're recording it and you want the explanation to be perfect for the teachers and the students to listen to so whenever i'm in class if i ever find that i say something that I wouldn't be happy with in a video. <laughs> I don't sort of start making silly noises <laughs> and sort of say that this doesn't exist. That's really that. But I, I would sort of stop myself. Oh, actually, class, no, this is you know, you know. But I think um, it definitely has enhanced it. I, I think actually, I would recommend to most teachers if there is a particular topic in maths that you find difficult actually create a video just for yourself so, you know, if you want to put it online feel free um, but um, but yeah you know uh, create a video for yourself teaching that particular topic because obviously in a class situation you can't stop and rewind or plan or script questions yes. or you can't script them before you go in but you can't just stop and rewind but if you that topic there's always going to be that one which you for me it was at the very beginning of teaching it was i wasn't a big fan of the functions f of x g of x and so on it's now one of my favorite topics but it was that sort of at the very beginning i i wasn't a big fan of it but then 
that's another lesson where at home I would sort of rehearse it and script it and think what I was going to say, the key questions and so on. I think if the technology was around at that point back in sort of 2005, I probably would have made a point of making that one the first video that I filmed and put online because it's good to sort of, that section of maths isn't going to go away. I'm going to, you know, there's whatever your weakness is, it's, you're going to have to teach it at some point. It's a good point. It's a, it's a good chance to, but by doing the video, you can listen back to yourself, think actually that bit was a bit wishy-washy. I'm going to make sure I enhance that section of the explanation. Um, and yeah, just sort of, I think that sort of just over time, it sort of, it helps you. And I, it's definitely helped me sort of perfect, perfect that, you know, the explanation. I wouldn't say perfect it yes. because, you know, has any teacher ever perfected anything? We're we're human, you know. But um, but I think it, it has helped me an awful lot, especially whenever we go back to that lesson, which was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I tend not to be at the back of the room speaking to four kids and about something randomly anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's progress. That's, that's what I like to hear. Um, do you have um, do you have like a particular video that you're proud of? Like one one in particular that stands out, or is it like, uh, like um, your children? You can't choose between them. Yeah, I, I, I sort of, um, I've, I've never really thought of that. Um, um, uh, the one with the most views is Finding the Centre of Enlargement. Oh, and okay. and I, I was always surprised. I thought it would be something a bit different, but it, yeah. it's just one of the ones that maybe may in, you know, I'm actually, now I'm going to lose the views on it because it, maybe on Google there's not as many on that one. So it's just ah, like it's right. one of the main ones that way. Um, but um, I think one of my favourite ones um maybe something like Venn diagrams, one of the new ones, or even the vectors, you know, there's something that, you know, especially another one that I shied away from originally was speed distance time. Yes. Um, because even the sort of the nitty gritty in the converting the minutes oh, into yeah, hours and decimal, there's, there's a lot of aspects to speed distance yes. time, which, you know, are overlooked often. Mm. Um, if you look at the practice, uh, the textbook exercise on it, I've actually got an introduction exercise before just on converting time minutes yes. into decimalized hours and decimalized hours into minutes and so on but i think something like the speed distance time density vectors venn diagrams they're just ones that have made recently which you know or even something like the the functions this notation and so on the f of x g of x the things that i didn't like it's just nice that you know you've got that you look back at it and you think yeah actually to think that was something that i wasn't that confident in explaining to begin with and now it's had tens of thousands of views and lots of likes and it's helping people it's quite nice in a way you know flipping and like as as a maths teacher john you are you a bit obsessed with the the statistics of your videos and stuff are you, are you, check, are you checking them regularly how often would you be uh, compiling this data yeah it's quite funny in the the, the beginning in 2012 uh, over the the course of the whole year i think the website um i started making it in february just to sort of the the idea of yeah. it and then the videos were uploaded in the summer and over the course of the year i had 8300 views okay not bad not and, bad and i was like i was like i was really excited yeah. and i was like and this is amazing and the, the students in school are using it and then like this year we've had 10 like it's it's just exceeding 10 million views this year in 2016 <laughs> 2016 Jeez. so i think yeah we have i had actually put a, a competition on twitter recently because we had exceeded our 15th million views so far we had it was i think it's about 4.6 million last year about 10 million this year Epic. and um, we had exceeded the we had exceeded um, 15 million views, so I decided to give out 15 sets of revision cards ah, just to say, nice. just to give thank, just to say thanks to all the teachers and people who use yes. the site, just a, a bit of a thank you. It's quite funny because I, I done the I created the competition on a was it maybe a Sunday and it, the closing date was the following Sunday yesterday, and um, by, by the time the competition had ended, I think we we're about 
sort of it's pushing out it's like i think it's about 15.7 million so it's, is it almost it's almost it's almost hitting the 16th million view by the time the competition has ended so it's sort of i'm thinking do i do a new competition now? That is amazing. <laughs> if you had but, a pound for every one of those views you'd be all right john wouldn't you Flipping <laughs> heck. that is incredible and i, I want to get on to um kind of just reflecting on the success of your site um, in, in a second. But be- before then, if if people aren't aware, it's, it's not just videos that are on Corbett Maths. I mean, if videos wasn't enough, when you've 300, 400 topics to do, some of which you're doing in multiple ways, you've then yeah. made the decision as well to, to put questions on there. But, but then it's not even that. You've done your kind of practice questions, the exam <laughs> styles, and now you've textbook questions on there. So... Talk us through that. When did when did the decision come that videos wasn't enough? And uh, yeah, how, where did that all all start? I think it sort of stems back to the the very beginning of sort of my NQT year. That sort of happened to create everyone from scratch. Yes. Although it was too much work and it became really difficult. I was sort of I am thirty two. I've sort of still got a long long time in teaching to go, and I sort of felt you know like a bit like you know, Mr. Kenny, my teacher, he was so organized and had everything created. And yes. and it was uh, that sort of, it would be great to have everything that I would ever need from teaching. So the videos I thought would be fantastic for my students to revise from. So if they ever needed a recap or if they ever, and back in 2011, it probably was, or 12, it probably wasn't, I didn't really think about flipped learning. It was more for a revision at that time. Um, and then, um, then the five a day sort of came about and that was sort of the you know the starters and that was sort of the beginning the beginning of the lesson yeah. and then the practice questions the sort of the gcse style questions for every topic they sort of came about really from okay i need homeworks for my classes to do or i need something for them to do in a lesson situation um and sort of the exact they were a great opportunity to get the students to practice uh, particularly year 11s to practice or year 10s and so on or it actually depends on it you know addition you could give them to year seven really it's it's just exam questions it doesn't really matter at the age but you know it meant that i had a, a set of exam questions because obviously you've got the ones on past papers and so on um but obviously they're, they're sort of hidden like in different uh, sort of past papers you might have a vectors question in 2011 there might be another one in 2013 yes. they're copyrighted yes. so you can they're, they're not ours uh, to to use um you know but um but obviously you sort of i wanted that sort of bank of questions so whenever a student was doing addition i can say watch the video uh edition six do the practice questions on uh on video six and then sort of that was then the next big project from really 2013 through to, to you know 2000 it sort of it went sort of the video sort of started and then the practice questions sort of got were done sort of like alongside it and sort of it you know the videos didn't finish before i started those we I sort of went through those and then can I, can, sorry can i just ask on those practice questions john because yeah. i could imagine that something like um like adding fractions or something pretty easy <laughs> to come up with the skill-based questions and so on but you yeah. kind of pride yourself and i think one of the strengths of your worksheets as in addition to the fact that you've got the answers there, which is huge, yeah. is is your range of questions? Because I, I, in fact, just this morning, um, I was putting together some some stuff using your website, and right. those last two or three questions on each of the practice questions, I've always yeah. got little twists. They're always your AO2, AO3 style yeah. questions, yeah. and they're flipping hard to write. So, like, yeah. where, where do you get the questions from? Because obviously they're original, and how long does that take to do as well? Well, I think, you know, I mean, yeah, I think 
teachers, I mean, if whenever you've been teaching for a long time, I mean, there's there's teachers out there that know the GCSE course, you know, the you know way better than I do. The, they've got you know 20, 30, 40 years yeah. of experience that topics that are so-called new to the GCSE, like this, the new one that we're doing, the nine to one one. Um, I have never taught instantaneous rate of change before or area under curve. Obviously I've used the, you know, using integration, but I haven't done it in a GCSE style before, but apparently back in the edXL um, sort of GCSE, I remember AQA as well, but a colleague was recently telling me, oh, you know, it used to be on back in 1998 till 2002, three, whatever. I was like, all oh, right, I didn't know that, you know? And so teachers get that sort of, from teaching the courses, you get to know the past papers really well, you read textbooks a lot, you then sort of, you think, you know, get the idea of, oh, maybe we can, uh, you know, change the context in something or think outside the box. And also, I think as teachers, we're quite creative as well, that you, you know, having to, as you said earlier, that whenever you're teaching a topic, you need to have one way of explaining it, but maybe a second way to, to you know, to be, and you've got to think on the spot. And I think, I, you know, I, I do sort of pride myself on trying to be creative and trying to, and I have had, obviously, the, the odd person who's got in contact said, I think it's a bit sort of, you know, you've put these two topics together, I've, it's not real life maths they shouldn't really oh, go together God, and so on and, and yeah, I, I can see their point you know but sometimes you, I, you just try to be a bit creative and think do you know what maths is maths and it's fun and so let's have a bit of fun with this and um, i think whoever wrote the hannah sweet question must have had a good google yes. to actually to be fair though colleagues have said to me it came up back in that's that right, 1990 right. whatever gcsa and it's there before but whoever came with those that original question must have been having a good google thinking oh i love this yes. one and, and actually, you do get that buzz from making a question that you think, oh, that's that's a cracker. And I sort of usually run into my wife to tell her she looks at me because she's not a teacher or a mathematician. And then she looks at me and goes, what are you talking about? And then I go in and show colleagues and they'll be like, oh, I like that one. Or that's, that's useless. Don't do that. And um, so, yeah, I, I think that's sort of the, 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 the question sort of comes through a mixture of, you know, what we've seen before or, you know, subconsciously, you know, it's it's, you know, we've seen questions before like the, the Hannah Sweets ones have so much publicity that whenever I created the probability one, of course I'm going to put yes. one of those types of ones and I'm going to create my own situation, might put a slight different spin on it. But but it is sort of fundamentally putting two topics that have been put together by somebody else. But, you know, but and also something like sharing ratios in a, in a quantity. There's only so many ways you can sort of ask a standard type of one on that. But then it's how can you get creative, you know, you know beyond that? Um, but yeah, just yes, yeah, just um, yeah. Well, so you've you've done you've got the practice questions on the go, and then just yeah. talk us through the textbook exercises. And for anybody who doesn't know, what what's the difference? Because on the website, they're, they're lined up next to each other, aren't they? You've got a topic, yeah. you've got the video, you've got the practice questions, then you've got the textbook yep. exercises. So what, what what why come up with a with a different style of, of question? And what what's involved with those, John? Yeah, so I think whenever I look back in back to school, I sort of had, as I say, quite a traditional maths education, and I think I personally I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. I, I had that buzz from getting questions and getting them right and so on. Um, but also whenever I look back at my first couple of years in my NQT year, PGC year, and so on, sometimes I did just want five or ten questions on a similar type. You know, maybe solving equations. I like my practice questions will have ones to begin with maybe one step two step letters yes. on both sides but there's not enough scope there i don't think in a lesson it's that type of exercise it's open equations practice questions for me is more revision for a student that's preparing for an exam having been taught it or for someone who's been given a homework on it having been taught that whole you know section of 
you know, maths. But the textbook exercise is more for in the lesson, there's that sort of sequence of questions that, you know, it's going to start off with, if I go back to that solving equations, you've got your one steps to begin with. You've got your one step equations that are getting rid like if you've got W plus seven equals 10, that's subtracting seven from both sides, or then you've got the minuses, you need to get rid of, then some multiplications, then some divisions, then a little bit of a mixture. Then you've got some where it's maybe a negative answer, decimal numbers, but that's maybe question two rather than question one, because you want question one to be, you know, you don't want to throw in negatives and decimals into a question <laughs> or a teacher to copy and paste into their lesson. Yes. And if it's a, not a very high ability class, they might freak, like freak out about it and go, what's going on here? It's a negative or a decimal number. You can't have a decimal answer to a solution. That's nonsense. Um, you know, so, so that needs to be question two. So then the teachers can then realize, okay, that's question two. They're slightly different. Okay. Yep. And then you've got your two step and building on with brackets and so on. But it's sort of, it's going through that sort of, if I was doing, uh, writing the, in my mind, the perfect textbook, what it would look like and that and the textbook um the textbook exercises started myself i just sort of felt like i wanted something to, i had the five a days using the lesson i had my explanations which are the smart board presentations of this or that and that eventually they will go on the website as well one day and they'll be there as well i want everything to be there and um, the the practice quite the textbook exercise was then my what i would plan to use in the lesson i probably wouldn't say do all these questions i might say i want you to do every other one or i want you to do the question two and three or something but it's a resource that i can dip into myself and again it's mine and you know there's a lot of fantastic textbooks out there there's a lot of not fantastic textbooks out there and schools spend an awful lot of money on textbooks and especially with the technology we've got nowadays um i feel that you know that if there was a free online textbook and that's where it started off as something that i was doing myself and then last summer um or actually a bit oh sorry sorry not last summer and um, this march time i applied for the let teacher shine award yes. by the charity shine and i was successful in in them giving me support to get a little bit of time off school to really get stuck into those as well so their support in the creation of that textbook and it's a free ebook that's going to be created it's obviously you've got the individual textbook exercises there and they're going to get added as we go through but once they get all finished and then I'm going to collate them into, you know, okay, this textbook goes along with the edXL foundation. This one goes along with the edXL hire and AQA and OCR and so on. And there's going to be a textbook that will accompany all the GCSE courses. There'll be a key stage three one. Because one, once you've made the textbook exercises, then you can just yes. the order into the, you know, what follows their schemes of work or what follows. I mean, ideally one day, I think it would be the dream, but the dream would be to actually have, a textbook creator which if you had your own scheme of work in your school you could choose a sequence ah, yes. of topics press export and i would take the corbett mavs textbooks all the pdfs put them in the perfect right order and then every school could have their own bespoke textbook for free and schools spend an awful lot of money on textbooks and some of the textbooks that i've used in the past you do the first couple of questions and they just go too hard yeah, too soon too much on job you're right yeah uh, or there's not enough stuff on such yes. and such and the great thing about this textbook is if there's something that you're not happy about in it, you let me know and I can update it. And the textbook is constantly being yes. updated like a, a physical textbook that you buy money on. You think, I wish I hadn't. So yeah, it's sort of, and I think that's where like, you know, with shine helping me, it's sort of, it's they had given me the time on it. It, you know, it's going to be hopefully completed in uh, the summer. So July and August, well, actually if shine listen, it's definitely going to be. Completed. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. That is amazing. Well, 
just before we we reflect on on <laughs> your kind of website stuff, let me just ask you this question: Imagine there was some cruel, uh, cruel almighty being comes up to you, John, and says, "Look, you have a choice to make here. You can either." Uh, choose creating questions or creating videos but whichever you choose you can't do the other if that makes sense what, <laughs> what, what would you take there what gives you the most pleasure and what could you live without oh, i don't know Craig. um it's sort of the at the minute I'm making an awful lot of this is this is a politician's answer. I'm just, like, <laughs> I'm just gonna skip past it. Um, at the minute, I'm I'm not creating many videos. At the minute, uh, the reason is I've got a little one year old, yes. and um, she's amazing. And um, sort of in the evenings, she does occasionally she's teething and stuff. At the minute, so if I'm trying to make a video, she'll you know wake up and you know like maybe cry or something. And obviously, I want to run upstairs and see her, or you know be with her, or give her, you know sort of a cuddle and you know get her back off the sleep. Um, so the video. Videos aren't really getting you know made at the minute, so but I am missing them a lot. Um, the te- the exercises with it's interesting with the textbook stuff that I've been doing for Shine, it's been absolutely phenomenal. But you do sort of hit that wall of okay, another exercise, and you yes. need to be fresh in them. So I would say it'd be good to alternate between the two if I was to make one. Oh, go on then. I'll let I'll let you off. Not happy, but I'll let you off. <laughs> uh, I, I was got. Yeah, I can't choose. It'd be, it's like you can choose between your children. That's you know, fine. That's, <laughs> fine. That's fine. Well, um, just before we move on to a few questions from Twitter, just a couple of reflections here, uh, John. Firstly, um, well, do do your students know how famous you are? Would you say? Like, do they do, do they realise exactly who they've got teaching them here? Do they ever give you a bit of stick about it, or what? What, what do they say? It's interesting because I've been at the same school for eleven years. I've been there for quite you know a long time, and I've taught a lot of their older brothers and sisters and so on. So, uh, you know, like I'm just Mr. Corbett in school, and um, you know, just, I'm just Mr. Cor- I'm just John outside of school too. I'm just it is just I'm a teacher putting stuff online. It's not you know it's not well you know, okay the site's popular and people are really grateful for it but it's do you know what I mean it's like but um, I think recently it sort of hit home because some of them follow me on Twitter because I tweet the five a days yeah. and so on and uh, I went to sort of the was it the one of the maths conferences in I think it was yeah it was in the uh, Peterborough. Oh, Peterborough. Uh, I think it was Peterborough. The first one I went to was yeah. in Peterborough, and people coming up asking for selfies with five days <laughs> and stuff, and the, the students were like, "Sir, I've seen you on Twitter, and people are wanting selfies with you." Well, yeah, it's people use you know, and it's sort of it, you know, and then they hit their friends are saying that they're using Corbett Mavs as well, and and you know, one of the students you know came up to me recently and she was like, oh, "Sir, your website's been used in um, you know, like a private school down the road, you know, so it's really good." I'm like, yeah, it's used in loads of schools, you know, private colleges. It doesn't really matter what school it's been used in. It's you know, it's yeah, you know, it's just it's great that people like it, really, you know. But you know, it's just the students sort of it's that it's they find it amazing that their friends have heard of it yes. too um, but um but also at the same time they're still like like waking uh winding me up about stuff like they've sort of found a really funny thing to do is um if you play one of the videos and turn subtitles on uh, <laughs> youtube has a, has a bit of, a bit of fun trying to translate um my northern irish fast mumble into uh, into uh, into what they think's english well, we might need <laughs> some for this episode john that's uh, that might get in touch with them about that's that's fantastic um I'll tell you what I was going to ask as well, John. The um, just can you talk us through your your kind of working week here? Because if you've got these, I mean, you mentioned you're not doing many videos at the moment, but obviously you're still doing these practice questions, and you're a full time you're a full time teacher. You have a, a one year old daughter. You, you have a wife. So, 
Like, yeah. how are you fitting everything in? What, what time are you getting? Oh, what time are you getting into school? When are you fitting in your marking, your planning? How, how does it all come together in a week? Yeah, so I mean, I, in the typical morning, I'd wake up around about you know half six, seven. Um, not, I'm not a good morning person, as my wife will sort of vouch. But um, tend to just you know get up, get myself into school, all the planning that I would do for that day would have been done the night before. Um, you know, go in, do you know my day work. I would obviously in the morning want to spend a little time, you know, a bit of time with my daughter, and you know, sort of we like having a bit of a play in the mornings before you know going to work, um, and then. Um, Obviously, I've got school, then revision sessions after school. Um, they would probably finish about, you know, four o'clock, half four. I get home. And once I get home at about half four, that time's totally allocated to Orla and my wife. And, you know, it's, you know, it's it's the time, you know, you sort of, you, your family and stuff's obviously got to come first and I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, so, yeah, so I would sort of be playing with her and sort of doing, di- like, help making dinner and stuff like that there. And then it's, I'm, we're really quite lucky that, obviously, except for the Teban, that Orla's a really fantastic sleeper. So she'll go up to bed at um, 7 o'clock and that's her bedtime and she generally, touch wood, <laughs> touch wood sleeps through um, until the next morning. I hope that's not making any parents <laughs> angry. <laughs> um, but then that sort of ends when I sort of then get stuck into my schoolwork it's obviously got to come first so you know the you know the planning the marking yeah. and so on that takes a good chunk from i would say from seven through till 10 half 10 most nights and then at 10 half 10 that's when i get the the time on the website Jeez. and that will sort of generally go on from about half 10 to maybe half 12 maybe one and that would be sort of generally a sort of a daily routine so it is that it is hard going when half terms come. I do sort of like my sleep, but it's that it's that passion that you you know I've started something and I want to yes. finish it. So I want to keep going, and people are tweeting saying they want the answers. It'll be great, <laughs> such and such. But you don't want to let people down. Like people are using it and depending on it, and you know hopefully in the future, you know with the revision cards, the, the sort of I'm hoping that that's going to be able to sort of support me. You know dropping down from being full time to maybe part time. And having a lot more time to dedicate to the site because it has grown so much that you know school is fantastic and I always want to stay in the classroom and teach uh, you know classes. But at the same time, it would be great to have a bit more time because so many people use it that I do want to make sure that I'm constantly improving it and keeping up with what the changes are and and so on. So yeah, so John, what 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 about the weekends? Are you taking a bit of time off there? Yes, Saturday's a Saturday's totally family day, nice. so it would be you know, sort of um, whatever you know. It would be off to the farm, or you know, off yeah. to the long. We live near, uh, right next to Longleat. We've got annual passes, so yeah, that's yeah. sort of a. They're a great family sort of day out. Um, not that I'm advertising them. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, Sunday then would be, again, cracking on with work. We've recently had, probably like most teachers, we've just had our year 11 mocks. Yes. And so I've got two year 11 classes. That's 60 students. Then they've got three papers now rather than two. Yeah. Th- thanks for that. So that's a, that's a, a four and a half hours of maths. That's, that's 180 test papers that oh, had to be marked. So that, that was a bit of a, yeah. a killer. you know. And so that sort of obviously has to be done on a Sunday. So that I tend to go into school then and sort of you know you can get into part of the school on a weekend so i would sort of go in and get that done but then like i would try to get a bit more done on a weekend as well but obviously trying to spend as much time with my wife as possible i have to say she's phenomenal she sort of puts up with me (laughs) yeah john and what um 
like what 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 is it that keeps you going through all that because there must be times when you're just knackered and you just want a break and as you say like I, I know you want to please people but where like I get the same when people tweet me and say there's a mistake on one of your resources or something I feel like sometimes just telling them to like this would need to be bleeped out so I won't <laughs> say but insert whatever word you want because I'm thinking <laughs> we're doing this for free and stuff trying to help people out and so on so what gets you through the tough times? What What's keeping yeah. you going from half ten to one o'clock when your bed's calling out to you? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it, it is that, it started off as a bit of a hobby, but it's now an obsession. It's something <laughs> yeah. that's, it's, I, I love it. And like, I love, I love the fact that people are using it. I love the fact that it's useful. I love the fact students are tweeting me saying, I've got an exam coming up. I was a bit nervous. I watched the video. Yeah. It's really helped loads. And it just, just knowing that it's, it's helping students and it's making a difference. I know it sounds a bit sort of, oh, you know, making a difference, but it, it's just the, it, it's, it's rare. I think to, I mean, teaching's a profession that I think everyone that teaches can come away feeling, Do you know, I've done something good today, yes. you know, and you can come away thinking, okay, I might not have, the less might not have gone as well as possible or whatever, but I'm doing, you know, good for these students. You're doing good for other people. It's yes. probably a bit like people work for charities or this or that, you know, that you're coming away, you know, imagine working in the NHS and saving someone's life or something. You know, I couldn't imagine anything that'd be much more amazing, not comparing teaching to that, but it just sort of, it, you know, knowing that the website, whenever the views go up to 10 million, there's a lot of people there that are using it and I'm thinking, you know what, I must be helping out and sort of like it's sort of that sort of if I was an artist it'd be amazing to create a picture which lots of people would like or if it would you know like if we were you know like an architect building a building that lots of people would like there's something nice about that there's something nice about having a website that lots of people like that you know it just it makes you feel good and it just thinks you know what if I make more resources that might help more people and get more people on there and that's why I want to make the primary version and the air level version and get those all done as well because also, teachers. I mean, okay, I'm working quite hard on it, but I, you know, I am hoping that sort of in the near future with the revision cards that you know that there's you know there's going to be that sort of option to maybe go part time, yes. and then then it sort of then I can dedicate more time to it, and then that's going to help more people because teaching's tough. It's you know for, it's a, it's a roller coaster from sort of the planning to the marking and the demands that way to the you know in some schools the behaviour and you know like this, they're trying to get the kids to behave themselves. So other schools going to the other end of the spectrum, the demands from the parents, yes. you know that you know you know we're paying this amount. What are we getting for that money? Or you know what you know whatever sector of education you're in, it's a tough job, you know. Oh, yeah. And having and having a website there which is helping people out. It's not even just helping the students. It's you know whenever someone sees me at a maths conference and goes John, John cheers for that. That was useful. You know I could just go. You know just it makes the the late nights worthwhile. That actually you know people are finding it useful and it's not everything on the site. You know with the exception of the revision cards which are a physical product. You know everything that's online will always be free and it's yeah. I'm not there. To, I'm it's never going to go. But a lot of people say when are you going to go subscription. <laughs> never going to go subscription the five days are always free the textbooks is going to be free the practice question is going to be free everything else that i'm going to create is free the the physical products such as the revision cards it's the cover the cost and it sort of you know that little bit of extra just goes towards perhaps one day give me that time to well actually making the, the tens of thousands of hours you know hopefully you know you know 
give or you know, Orla a bit of a, a bit of a better start in life now. But, <laughs> but it, you know, me too. You know, but it, it sort of, you know, it sort of, it, it's, it's, you know, it sort of having it all free it just sort of makes it all worthwhile. So whenever someone comes up and says thanks, it just, yeah, it just keeps you going, really. You know, flipping out. That's superb, that John. And last couple of questions on this, and before we move on to Twitter, has there been a particular yeah. moment that sticks in your mind? As obviously you mentioned, people coming up to you at, at mass conferences. Is there any moment that sticks in your mind as being a particular proud one for you maybe from a student or a teacher or, or anything like that i think um i think obviously with you know twitter and having the students thank you and stuff on there that that means an awful lot and having colleagues in, you know whenever you go to the mavs conference i think that that was probably the bit that sticks in my mind whenever i went to the first ever mavs conference because you've got hundreds of mavs teachers there that are like Obviously, each Mavs department is unique, and I teach in a fantastic department, and lots of teachers love Mavs and love teaching. But it was amazing going to. I don't think any of them are. You know, they're, they're actually no, no. But obviously, I'm going to the extreme, working it sort of late in the night and so on because I, you know I have that you know beyond a normal passion on it. You know, <laughs> you know, abnormal passion like the the, the guys in work school have got just as equal amount of passion, but they sort of they make sure they get the ball. You know, yes. but whenever we went to the Mavs conference, it was just amazing sort of being there with hundreds and hundreds of, you know, it was a Saturday. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's a Saturday. People are giving up their time to go to the conference. Mark McCourt, the organizer runs it. It's a, it's an amazing, um, you know, set day. Um, if you're a complete Mavs school, you get to go for free. If not, it's only 20, 25 pound. I think he loses money on that, but you know, so, you know, it's it sort of, it's, it's such an amazing day. And whenever I went to the first one in Peterborough, it it was just f- phenomenal that people actually come up and saying thanks and it was actually it's all well and good getting the thanks online but it was the first time yes. ever that i had met people that um um you know that's actually um you know in other schools that actually found it useful and i think actually one of the other times that it sort of hit home was i went to school in coville up in the midlands east midlands i went to visit a school at the king edward school and um i went there and the the, the students had made me a thank you card oh. for the the website and they, they came up and they had um they didn't even have my it was year 11 so they didn't even have mavs that day they'd come up especially to see me because i was in meeting the mavs department they come up to see me to give me a thank you card for the site and the resources and it was just it, it just blows it just blew me away that actually the site's used in other places then yes. you know you see the views but you don't it's it's not real you know but but whenever you hear it's really this it yeah makes it a makes a big difference you know that's lovely that john and uh last one about the about the website and i'm gonna force you to do this tell us about your gcse revision cards i don't normally allow plugs on this show but (laughs) this is a compulsory plug um what what are they and how can teachers get them had I mentioned them enough? <laughs> um, yeah, so the revision cards, there's uh, two different tiers at the minute. There's uh, GCSE higher, or the higher and foundation GCSE revision cards. They're written for the new GCSE, so there's 90 cards in each set. Um, they're um, A6, so good postcard size. And on the front, you've got um, sort of a, sort of a visual revision card type sort of thing yeah <laughs> i've never described the verb you <laughs> have a look at them um, but yeah you've got your revision card front the graphic the explanation some notes maybe an annotation or like the tree diagrams one for instance um has an example done with you know a bit of an explanation you've got the venn diagrams one which has all the common notation with the ones all sort of highlighted you know the the region shaded in and then on the back you've then got um which i think sort of 
sets it apart from i think gcse revision guides is then you've got the qr code to yes. the video on the topic a qr code to the uh, questions on the topic and a qr code to the answers on the topic so the student can use them as revision cards but then if there's one that they're not quite sure on they've got 10 hours of support in the video of fives and questions and answers and it's sort of it's it's much much more than just a revision guide which students i don't think generally maybe know how to use or they flick through and are they going to read 160 pages on you know everything given that they've got nine other subjects to revise and nine other revision guides sitting there they probably need a couple of months off to, to go through them whereas the revision guides uh, the revision cards um you know it's, it's been amazing the response schools absolutely loving them and you know there's been so many orders and it's just it's it's been fantastic so as i said I'm, I'm hoping actually because it has become so big my wife's been doing every single bit of work on it so as well as raising our one-year-old she's also packing up every single order the individual ones the bulk orders oh, yeah, the school yeah. orders, and she's doing everything so at the minute she's got two jobs and i've only got one so so in the future i'm hoping to go part-time to to sort of can, can, to we, not get, can we not get all are involved packing some of these up maybe yeah no actually <laughs> i seen her the other day and she was uh toddling through the um when i say she's one she's one and a half so i don't want anyone to think i've got this super baby <laughs> can walk you know like well a lot of people can walk at one but, but yeah she was walking through at one and a half she's holding her uh, she's holding one of the the revision cards nice. on um which one was it? It was uh, it like it was a proportion, direct and inverse proportion. It was just, she was actually looking at it as if she was studying it. And I was just like, wow. She's you ready. Know? She's ready. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the eyebrows were going as if you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, they're, 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 they're on the website. Um, there's been sort of fantastic reviews on them. And, and again, it's, you know, it's the only the only thing that we'll ever charge for or something that is a product that the people can, you know, they get in their hands. But it's it's I think it's like you know, revision guides cost exactly the same or if not a lot more. And I think you get a lot more from yes. the revision. Cards, so, Absolutely. Um, and I'll put a link to the uh, you've got like a, a lovely little YouTube kind of promotion video for them. So there'll be a link yeah. to those in the show notes in case anybody. Oh, thanks very much. Great. <laughs> Okay, John, so just a couple of questions have come in um, on Twitter for here. We've, we've covered quite a few of the questions I had on Twitter, but just, just to wrap up a few, a few of these. So the first one is from uh, Me Teach Maths, and uh, yeah. he says, how do you get time to do all your amazing work? I mean, <laughs> like in all seriousness, though, because I like I, I get this a fair bit, and I don't work anywhere near as, as hard as you do. Like, it must... Is your your wife must be incredibly understanding um, for one, and also you must need to be just very disciplined with your with your Saturdays, for example, of just keeping those kind of a, a yeah, work free yeah. thing. Like, right. yeah, have you got any? I don't know any advice for people with with kind of time management or even kind of relationship management. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> just all this. Um, I, I I think I'm probably the wrong person to give you know advice on time management because I think. I've sort of put in a bit, you know, in terms of the hours and so on, the work-life balance perhaps, you know, but I would say, uh, you know, yeah, what, what can people do? Get get a, an amazing wife like mine who, <laughs> who, who really supports loads. Um, but, um, yeah, I, yeah, I think how to find time, again, I think sort of, sort of helps out an awful lot. Um, and I would say just, you know, it's, for me, it's sort of it's that obsession, you know, of going, you know, just, one to get it finished um advice on people in terms of time management again it's that sort of the you know that work it's i think it's much more important you have a bit of a life in the evenings and the weekends than um 
than spending hours and hours and hours and hours doing making resources. So hopefully with the sites like mine, with Hegarty Mavs, Mr. Barton Mavs, sites like that, uh, you know, hopefully there's enough sort of things there to perhaps help people to, you know, like save time using cut and paste, the snip tool to make yes. your own case views and stuff like that. Um, um, get as much stuff marked in class by the kids as possible so that, you know, you can sort of, you know, like it saves time. Um, yeah, you know, um, but yeah. Good advice. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Next one is from YB Jammy. And again, we've covered this, so this is great news. Uh, Is there any chance your textbook questions will come out as an actual textbook? So just just to confirm here, full plans for a free textbook. Now, will it be available if schools want to get hard copies of it? Will that that be a possibility or will it just be kind of a, a PDF? Yeah, I mean, um, I, the whole plan was ebooks because obviously with the technology nowadays, that can keep the cost down massively. Yes. The, the, the teachers can use it on the projectors in the classroom. They can print out stuff, copy and paste, use bits as they want to, as long as it's just, you know, within their own classes and they're not uploading it to new sites. But it's there for people to use as they wish. The students, you know, a lot of them have got um, iPhones and, you know, everything like that. So, you know, they can access it themselves with their iPads or iPhones or whatever at home. Um, so hopefully they'll be in an ebook. That sort of the whole, uh, you know, sort of shine help, you know, the whole purpose of the, the charity, the project was, you know, sort of helping disadvantaged students and by you know, providing schools with free resources such as ebooks, then hopefully then they can allocate the money to other things which you know would enhance the education of the students um, but also students can access it for free and um, in terms of the, the plans to go into hard copy I had thought of whenever I forget it finished I do want to obviously with the revision cards I've now worked with printers yes. so I do want to get um, hard copy or like a few hard copies of each one for my own sort of you know just to put on the mantelpiece or put on the put on the bookshelf that there's the Gordon Mouse textbook I but um, but obviously, whenever I'm doing that, then I'll obviously speak to them and say, well, how much would it be to... Yes. I like Obviously, the big sort of print, they, the big companies that do the, the textbooks and so on, you know, they can probably get much better rates than, you know, what I can as an individual. Perhaps I don't know. Um, but obviously, I think I would just have to look at that um, and see how viable it would be for me to... Obviously, if I was doing something like that for skills, I would want to keep the price down as low as possible because you know the the textbooks are a big commitment for schools so i suppose it's just we see what happens really you know after um you know after i get it finished it's then bringing it to the printing company and just seeing what they say really and yeah Got it. Fant- fantastic um and final one from from twitter john is from maths web and i'm fascinated to know the answer for this have you ever estimated how many pupils and teachers you've helped i mean you've mentioned <laughs> the millions and millions have you got any kind of algorithm that helps you calculate how many how many lives you've touched there how many how many kids you've helped out I was going to think of like a, a bit of a random number, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> a bit like how I'm predicting. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to finish that sentence. Um, but no, um, I would say, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a bit of a guess. Actually, for part of the work that I've done, or for the app, for whenever I applied for the Let Teacher Shine Award for the charity, Shine wanted to have a rough idea of you know how many people I had you know helped. So one of the things that I did do before the the interview was actually done a, a sort of just a on Twitter on like um, you know, like 
you know, have I, you know, is Code used in school? What role do you have? And so on. And what I actually done was I just all those sort of confirmed responses via there and also the schools that link directly into the site and so on. I sort of created a Google Maps with all those schools ah, yes. across the country. I was actually interested to see, you know, which areas of the country or the world used it. Um, and so um, I think it got sort of to two and a half thousand schools which was and that was sort of just the ones through twitter and i I know an awful lot of teachers don't use twitter so but they should do but uh, um but um so that was just through there but i think with the views going up to ten and a half million this year or ten million this year i think it's a lot (laughs) and i'm just hoping to constantly improve it that way but yeah it's yeah, I, I don't have a, a set figure. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. Any countries that have surprised you? Where, where? Yeah, actually, yeah, there's, um, actually, whenever, because obviously you can see on the website the, where you get it, what country yeah. you get the traffic from. And there's a lot of sort of traffic coming from countries like South Africa, uh, uh, Brunei, Dallas, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, Brunei, um, Nepal. And actually it's interesting because then you get to sort of see, uh, Kenya, you get to see the Twitter accounts and, you know, they, <laughs> retweet the five a days and actually start <laughs> with the, the teacher so uh, there's a school I think it was um, there's a school in Kenya that we were sort of I wish I could remember the name of them as so I could plug them but they, they were sort of tweeting uh, me quite often uh, you know tweeting the five a days and we were sort of talking a bit and it was just fascinating hearing that actually the, five, the, the, the resources are useful in other countries particularly whenever their curriculums might not necessarily yes. but I suppose with the videos and the worksheets that there are I mean, okay, they they might be called GCSE style questions, but they're good questions sure. on a topic, and actually, my mathematics is mathematics, and yeah, um, but that's, yeah, they, that's brilliant. I, the Corbett Maths World Tour could that be happening? Twenty seventeen, <laughs> maybe. Remember, I'm scared of flying, Craig. So. Oh, of course. So, yeah, maybe a cruise. <laughs> I have to do it by boat. <laughs> yeah. Is it Bear Barakis? Not <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> I have to knock you out first. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, right, well, John, last question for me, then I'm going to hand over to you for your big three. And that's just a, a little reflection. I, I wonder now, so this is your 11th year in teaching, I, I think you said. Um, what do you wish you'd known when you started teaching that you know now? I think... Um, one is that um, the the copy and paste tool that again in that first couple of years whenever I was teaching I was feeling that pressure to make everything by scratch and actually it is okay to to, to use other people's resources as long as you check them and you make sure it's the right resources that you yes. want to use. So, um, you know, even with the Christmas coming up, you know, we've got, um, um, you know, obviously, you know, um, you know the, the sort of last day of term, I'm going to be using, um, is it Mr. Collins's, Mr. Collins, I think that's right. He's got the, on uh, Tez resources. He's got the reindeer game. Yeah. Classic. Yep. And the parry game. They're, yes. they're crackers for the yeah, end of term. And, and I get as much I get as much buzz out of this as students, and they're yeah. just they're phenomenal. And if you haven't used these resources, the pirate game and the reindeer game, oh, it's just amazing. We actually had an enrichment week. Um, um, you know, whenever all the school trips are arranged, and you've got the students that are left over, and then you do like an enrichment week. And I I put down for Mavs that we were going to do the pirate game. <laughs> yeah. And students were like, you know, we don't want to do this. We don't want to do the FIFA competition. We want to do the pirate game. <laughs> and you're yeah, like, wow. yeah. So so yeah, I think one of the first things is just like there's so many phenomenal things out there. Um, I wish you know whenever I started teaching, I wish things like YouTube, the like the number file channels, um, you know, even you know websites like websites like your own, because obviously you've got all the past papers out the solutions there's so many resources and things that have come out in the last 10 years 
that's you know they're there to really help teachers you know with their that you know they can really help out a lot and yeah that's a great answer absolutely fantastic well john i've kept you far too long here and probably not <laughs> probably not helping your work life balance at all with this so let me <laughs> Yeah, I'm more worried about your your listeners. Uh, it's <laughs> just me and my wife listen to this, so we're fine, we're fine. So, uh, time for your big three now, John. So, yeah. what three websites or blog posts or whatever whatever you want would you would you like to recommend listeners to? And I, I'll link to this and all we've discussed tonight in in the show notes. Yeah, well, I mean, before we started, um, I, I thought we were just going to talk about teaching this and that. I didn't realize we'd talk about the Corbin Mav so, so much. So um, I'm going to take that one off the list. <laughs> <Bad idea. laughs> I think if I said, if I said I, one other thing that we had recently was that we had a year 11 inf- information evening. Yes. And one of my students in my class said for every um, time I mentioned Corbin Mavs, I would have to, to donate a pound to charity. Oh, God. And I got £22 <laughs> in, in, in a five minute slot that I had parents. So, <laughs> yeah, so don't think I'm going to mention that anymore. So um, number one on the list, um, and this actually was number one in order anyway, was the Resourceaholic uh, website by yes, Joe Morgan. Um, it's an absolutely fantastic blog. Uh, she regularly posts her uh, five Mavs gems. I think she's up to about, I think it's at number 66, 67 yeah. now. Um, and whether it's a new resource or a fabulous website, or even just the, the, for me personally, the nitty gritty and the changes to the contents of the new GCSE. Yes. Um, you know, you'll you'll find it all there. Um, and you know, like I've used it an awful lot in terms of, you know, obviously whenever I'm making my resources, I need to know what things have been put on the course, what's been taken off. And obviously I'm looking at the, the, the exam board specifications, but it's great to have an expert like Joe making this amazing website to let teachers know what's on and what's out, you know, Absolutely. what's what's out. Um, recently we actually had a departmental like like a CPD session and uh, one of the things that the head of department Graham asked me to do was to you know to go through and you know go through with staff you know the changes particularly to the higher tier yeah. and I'd already been to the Mavs conference eight um, in uh, Kettering and, and and Joe had delivered an amazing yeah. session. Um, were you there, Greg Bertola? Well, well, I'm very upset, John, because I was actually doing a session next door, so you've obviously chosen <laughs> her over me, but I'll, I'll let you off because it was a good one. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, it was just it was phenomenal. Um, and, you know, I think, I think Joe went through about four or five of the key topics from functions to um, iteration to um, instantaneous rates of change or you know different things of the course and actually she actually shared that whole training uh, that yes. whole um, powerpoint so you know kindly on her blog so whenever i was delivering the cpd session i used the exact presentation i did mention that it was hers and you know i sort of delivered it really tr- in the exact well not the exact same style i don't think i could recreate it which is way better presenting it than me but at the end of the session they actually gave me a round of applause i think they've forgotten that it was someone else's and I, at that point I didn't actually remind them again that it was of hers, course, no, no, no. <laughs> but but it was just you know the, the, it created that discussion the within the department as in oh like well you know like, you know how are we going to sort of explain to students yeah. why iteration works as a way to solve an equations or you know are we or um you know the sort of um you know how how are we going to teach uh, capture recapture yeah. to the students you know and what are the you know what's the formula what's the best way to present it so it created cre- that buzz within the department and and again is that's just one of her amazing resources on our site and i think it's just um 
it's, it's, it's got to be one of people's bookmarks or favourites if you're a math teacher. Just it's, it's a given, really. Absolutely. No, great choice. Uh, what so, about, yeah, sorry, what about number two, John? Yep, uh, number two. Um, <laughs> um, this is probably just to make you feel a bit better after not going to your session. But um, actually, my number two was uh, Mr. Barton Maths. I'll let uh, you off, then. I'll let you off. <laughs> and, and that's, again, not because... Um, like I'm on this on like you know doing the podcast with you, but whenever I get a new year ten nine, ten, eleven class, I always get them to create a Mavs folder of go to websites. And the very the first two that I always get them to add on there is the Corbett Mavs, obviously. <laughs> um, um have got to get to eleven million views in a year somehow. <laughs> um, but the other one I get them to add in straight away is yours as well, because Year 10, 9, 10, 11, the first thing they ask you about is, sir, where will I get past papers from? And the websites for the exam boards are great, but yours has all the exam boards there. Your new site is just amazing. You've got all the, the exam boards there. You've got the papers. You've got the model solutions, which, uh, you know, the mark schemes are very complicated. So having the model solutions there for students is, is, is fantastic. Um, and then on top of that, then you've got stuff like the quizzes and the, you know, the diagnostic questions quizzes. You've got, um, it, even resources for teachers and things like that as well. Um, and do you still have the jokes in there as well? The brand new jokes and new, that, new, pu- new puns been added there, John, actually. So that, that's what my summer's been spent doing, coming up with that <laughs> movie title puns. So yeah, thanks for the um, plug for that one. <laughs> and, and, and the last thing I would say, is, uh, well, not last week, but the, the one other thing I would say is I had um, last year the a class doing the level two AQA for Vermaths. Yes. Great and, qualification. Yeah, yeah it, it, I, I, I love it. Um, you've got the past papers. You had you have the topic test. You've got the diagnostic question uh, diagnostic, uh, diagnostic question quizzes on there, and it, and it just it, it was just the perfect accompaniment um, to to the to the course because there is that. Not, not a lot well there's for GCSE maths there's lots of sites out there like my own and so on um, but hopefully in the future I'll get a lot more of the level 2 stuff as well but yours just had everything that we needed and it just I've, well from my class a big thank you so cheers oh, that's very kind thank, thank you very much John very kind <laughs> uh, Matt, 50 quid in the post coming, coming your way <laughs> and what about uh, what about number 3 well that was going to be court math so uh... <laughs> I've been thinking on the spot while I've been talking and trying to be there. Sort of, as you can tell, I'm sort of buying myself a little bit more time here. But um, no, I think number three would have to be. It's not going to be a Mavs one in particular. I think I'm going to go for Twitter. Okay. Uh, So yeah, just uh, over the last eleven years, um, I've been to some great CPD courses. I've been to some not so great CPD sort of courses. Um, I've been like you've had stuff in school outside of school. I think Twitter has been by far the 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 place within the last two three years where I've learned the most. Yes. Whether it's been and I, I I can't sort of remember all the individual people. So thank you to the people that have borrowed these from. But stuff like window pens, so that whenever the students in my classroom looking out the window daydreaming, they're looking at the quadratic formula and it's going to sublimely you know sink in their mind. I think that was from Italia. And then um, Jenga, you know, having a Jenga tower with mathematical sort of questions in each block, and you can turn Jenga into like a Mavs game. Nice. To um, to even things like um, um, someone actually in Somerset, she uh, before Christmas actually quite festive. And if you haven't got enough time to do this one before Christmas, it's perfect for Easter. But actually taking the time to print out for the students a past paper or two, or even a corporate mouse practice questions on a topic or two that you know are their weaknesses, yeah. 
put in a couple of chocolate coins, put in a pen, a little bag of sweets, wrap it up as a Christmas present, and giving the students, every single student in your class, a Christmas present. And it was just, a, I've done that now for a couple of, for the last two or three years. Um, and actually one year I forgot to give them to them, so I posted them out. And the students, you, 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 I got back every single pass, like, uh, every single booklet of, um, of, practice questions and then also just a big thank you the, the students hadn't hadn't received anything like that from a teacher before and it's just for year 11s it's rare that you get year 11s coming in and actually smiling and you're going oh sir thank you so much and obviously they do do it but you know having a whole class coming in just sort of really touched by a, you know gesture that you've done That's and amazing. again thanks thanks to my wife for you know doing that but going back to the twitter um there's just so many amazing people like yourself like um you know um sold by mouths to you know tez mouths to mark mccourt to um you know joe morgan to miss b resources you know there's so many different amazing people on twitter um that uh, and sorry to the thousands that i've not mentioned but there's so many amazing people that just tweet amazing ideas for the classroom resources Resources, um, points of discussion, changes to the courses, and it's also if you're not, you know, sort of really au fait with Twitter or social media, it's great too because you can create an account which is locked, so yes. you, know, you don't need to worry about students finding you or this or that. You can create, you know, like an anonymous one by just having a, a name and a locked account, pad lock or whatever. But it's quite good that you can sort of, you know, it's just, yeah, I think it's a an amazing source of CPD and it's free and it's something you can dip in and dip out off in the holidays, even you know, whenever you've got that time again, really. That's a, a wonderful answer. Yeah, great, great advice for people there, John. Well, I think we, we, we've, we've come to the end. This has been a world record, I think. Uh, certainly the longest podcast that I've ever done. I don't know if anyone's, anyone's still with us here, but I, I hope they are for this this week. So at the end, I always always like to just give that, like a bit of thanks to my guest. I only invite people on this show who, I always say at the start, who either interest or inspire me in, in the world of education. And, and you certainly do do both, John. And like this is genuinely a very heartfelt uh, kind of thing I want to say just thank you for firstly from me for for saving me hours and hours and hours and that has been through mainly just having a wonderful source of questions a wonderful source of videos that i can direct students to it's just saved me hours it's it's helped our kids out immeasurably now my year 11s last year i inherited them at the start of the year they were a ropey bunch for a numerous uh, numerous reasons and just knowing that i had a source of high quality stuff i could send them to just kind of turn them around and probably added i'm no exaggeration to say at least one or two grades to, to their scores purely from purely from your videos um thank you on behalf of our school because we use five a day every single day we use your practice questions we use your textbook things and also just thank you on behalf of all the listeners because I'm sure they'd want me to pass on their thanks just for all the stuff you do and those 10,000 hours or however many you've put in John <laughs> like they from a selfish point of view they have been incredibly worth it because you've just helped hundreds of thousands of people all around the world so just thank you so much and I want to say keep doing what you do but I also want to say have a rest as well at the same time <laughs> so fingers crossed the uh, revision cards just keep selling as they should do and you get to have uh, a little bit more time to yourself but thank you so much for, for taking the time to be with us tonight thanks very much I really 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 appreciate it thank you
So there you have it. There was my interview with John Corbett. I really hope you enjoyed that one. I had an absolute ball talking to John and that's probably why the interview lasted over three hours. But I hope you agree with me. It was jam-packed with just such useful insights. It's, it's fascinating to hear how other teachers learn and I loved hearing about John's website and how he creates his videos. But above all, I enjoyed hearing about flipped learning because as I mentioned um, in when I was discussing it with John, it was one of those things that, that was very popular, probably maybe about four or five years ago now. It was all the latest craze. It was when kind of Khan Academy was first coming on the scene. And as I say, Colin Hegarty and Brian Arnold were very much the kind of pioneers of, of doing it in the UK. And I, I certainly dabbled with it back in those days. And it, it wasn't all that successful for me, but I think I know why. And it's it's the, the phrase dabble kind of gives it away. It's, it's not one of those things you can dip into. Um, if you just do it as kind of a one-off and say to kids, right, your homework tonight is to watch some videos and that's going to enable me to teach and do more interesting things the, the following lesson. Where's their incentive to do that? Where's the buy-in from the students? Are they just going to see it as a bit of a sit-off homework? Well, yeah, I think they are. And obviously not all students are going to do this. I'm generalizing um, a little bit here. But it's about building that culture up and about making it part of your regular learning routine, your regular lessons. I think John's hit the nail on the head where he does his presentation to students at the start of the year and also to parents. And I'd strongly advise you to drop John an email to get hold of that presentation if you're thinking of doing it, because it's very important to get the students on board. And it's very important that this isn't just a one-off, that this becomes a regular feature of your lessons. And um, so the other thing that this got me thinking about as well is I, I'm currently reading the um, Tiger Teachers book by the Michaela uh, teachers and staff at their school. And I'm going to talk more about this in a future podcast because I want to hope to get them um, on the show to talk to them because it's it's controversial, the book, but it's it's filling me up with loads of ideas and I've got loads of reactions to it and so on. But, but one of the ideas they touch upon in the book um, is about homework being actually revision and not just homework and about the, the mistake that a lot of secondary schools make and I, I'm going to hold my hand up I think my school's guilty of this and I, I personally am guilty of this that revision only tends to kick in for year 11s in those kind of precious few months building up to GCSE and all the pressure starts and kids aren't really used to revising. Maybe they've revised the odd night before end of year exams and so on, but they've certainly not done this consistent structured revision that's needed for GCSE. And it becomes a shock to students. And, and often like we do at our school, we'll have revision classes for kids where we'll, we'll teach them how to revise and different strategies. But I worry if it's almost too little too late, it's not in their nature to, to know how they revise best. And it's, it's not in their uh, evening routine and weekend routine and so on. And just because that was kind of floating through my head when I was talking to John and when John's going on about flip learning, it made me think that flip learning is the kind of the, the ideal way to revise. If, if you can get that in your students early on, if, if that's part of their routine from year seven, that they're used to independently watching videos and taking notes down and then asking the teacher if they've got questions, then isn't that what revision's all about? So no longer are we going to need to be put in special classes for how kids to revise because they'll have been doing it since year seven through this flipped learning approach. So it just got me thinking 
that that's possibly an extra benefit to this whole process. That it's not just that students arrive to the lesson more prepared. It's not just that the teacher can address misconceptions before the lesson. It's not just that you can use the lesson itself to do much more interesting AO2 and AO3 problem style, uh, problem solving style questions. But also maybe it's instilling a bit more independence into your students. Maybe it's getting them um, a bit better at revising and therefore maybe it's preparing them a little bit better for their exams and later life in general. Anyway, just a thought, I need a bit more time to process this, but I'm thinking I'm not going to dabble anymore with flipped learning. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it properly, I think. So watch watch this space on that one. Anyway, enough from me. John was kind enough after that epic interview to stick around and share a puzzle for us. And it is an absolute classic. So without further ado, let me hand back to Mr. John Corbett. be aware of the 1089 investigation and that's where you choose a three digit uh, three digits um, such as eight one and two and you write the largest three digit number so 821 and the smallest three digit number 128 and you subtract the smaller one from the larger one and in this case it would give you 693 and then what you do is you reverse that answer, so that would be 396, and you add them to each other, and they would always give you 1089. Um, now, I, that's a, a task that I do a lot with my year sevens, and it's, it's a great one, um, and you know it helps them out. But recently I was at a conference run by Mark uh, McCord, and he had a fantastic um, sort of tweak on this, and I just thought it was fantastic. And that's rather than doing that in um, BS10, try that problem out in another BS. So perhaps work in base seven, choose a, a three digit number in base seven, um, create the largest possible um, three digit number, the smallest possible three digit number and subtract them. Uh, get the answer and add it to its reverse and sort of see what happens. Um, and then for a bit of a challenge, why not um, prove them algebraically? So do it for base 10 to begin with and then see it with, um, you know, the other bases. Um, and then sort of see if you can sort of see what would happen in base four, base nine, even base 11. There you go. It's a good puzzle, that one, let me tell you. Anyway, once again, we have reached the end of another episode of the Mr. Barton Maths Podcast. It's a test of stamina, this, more than anything, to see whether you can get through these. But as I say, I hope you're enjoying them and I hope you're finding them useful. I've got some cracking guests lined up for the next few episodes, so please stick around for those. Um, as ever, all I need to do is thank once again my wonderful guest tonight, John Corbett, for both being on the show and for the excellent work that he does. A big thank you to podcastthemes.com for providing the lovely jazzy music that you've heard throughout the show and thank you to you the listener the loyal listener for keeping listening to these and and i, I know it kind of feeds my ego but it, it always makes me happy when people say nice things whether it's on twitter or emails that these podcasts are providing a bit of kind of comfort in your journey a bit of a distraction and so on but also a valuable part of cpd as i say that's was always my intention and i'm made up that that's the case if you do enjoy them and you have a spare moment you wouldn't mind doing a quick review on itunes you know i'd be eternally grateful but that might be asking too much Anyway, you take care of yourselves and I will see you for a brand new episode in the near future. Bye for now. <laughs>